0: did I, I won the costume contest for the 80s night
1: i made you a sticker and it's my favorite thing in the world i've ever done i might, a, I might actually get those printed out and have them uh oh that would be sweet i don't that'd think be... i'll have them for hell on earth but i will have them at some point yeah Maybe they'll go out with all the uh patreon uh <laughs> gifts that they're getting because i talked to pollyanna we're doing pins we're doing uh we got the stickers we got the shirts coming we're we're in full-on merch mode uh that dude rules jake jake is awesome
0: yeah he really he does such a good job i just i had to tell him i bought that like uh tokyo dome like sweatshirt he's selling so Mm -hmm. i just had i just had to like like to dm him and be like dude your stuff is awesome like i just felt like the need you ever you ever get that you're just like oh this is just so good i just need to tell you how good it is and that's i just had to reach out to him so he's a good dude he deserves all the kudos
1: he uh he'll probably be on this podcast I think probably next year at some point he's uh he wanted to come on and talk about shit and he's been around for a long time and has seen a lot of stuff so he'll be a fun interview
0: yeah no doubt I by the way did anybody watch that show last night the uh or, or the the Saudi show at all or no Fuck no, no. I didn't. What? I didn't see it. No, That's nobody what wants
1: asking. to watch that. Nobody wants to watch that. I heard there
0: were a few good matches. I was just making sure, you know, that that if anybody wasn't around to see it, so. Jayhawk is
1: the only one that put himself through that and watched it. And then it was Jayhawk wasn't
0: that could bad, or no?
2: It wasn't bad, right? It it, it it was it was fine, and too, uh, too much of it being predictable, and like the what the one and pretty much like the two result I wanted, I didn't get so. I was going to say, have they ever done anything that big at these shows?
0: Honestly, most of them it's so predictable. They're just putting the show on so those people are happy. That's literally it.
2: Well, like everything, everything had a storyline purpose to it at the time, which is different from the, from the first few. But it's right. like, but all the heat we gave AIW after after JLip and like every main event and like a bunch of interference and all the baby and looking like shit and like every Roman Reigns match now.
0: Yeah, it's yeah, like, he doesn't. He's kind of lost that. Invi- air of invincibility it just doesn't make me i'm not as excited anymore i'm wondering what Raw and, and nxt is going to do when tv rights are up i'm wondering where they're going to go they still haven't made any decision on it yet if they stay on usa probably a good decision but i wonder where they're going to go right now it'll be canceled <laughs> you know what as long as there's wrestling in some form on television i'm happy if you cancel raw so be it we've been through all this shit they even seinfeld even had to go off the air at one point it can't last forever that's just my opinion i think it'd be really
1: fun if they brought seinfeld back though there's some there's some really great stuff that uh with current
0: day things that i think would be hilarious with that it, group it certainly would but they are so old now that none of them would be as fun anymore it just i don't know just...
1: i don't know i think i think it would be all right i mean you ever, look, look at larry, follow... da- larry david's yeah, so... show curb your enthusiasm that's show's funny as fuck
0: yeah so, and like... it's different though i mean it's a, a completely different air did you ever you ever follow uh the the soprano feld uh, twitter account no <laughs> so it's it's a, <laughs> this dude just takes like splices scenes together from sopranos and from seinfeld and for some reason it just works like it's it was like george like sleeping under his desk and then like chris christopher's you know when he when he shot the dude in the back of the head at at the at the de- at the butcher shop you know when he was trying his coke but like george is under the desk like it's shit like that like it's really good it's it's very very funny you I highly send recommend. me a link because
1: that sounds hilarious yeah i, it's I really, definitely need really to follow good. that
0: yeah so Mars, now your jam um yeah i guess <laughs> <laughs> how's the djing coming along you ready i'm so fucking ready
3: that's like where by the time this drops it's one more week you have she's, a set
0: list that you're that you're running in on
3: i've had several set lists uh, i think i finally honed in on this one and it ended up being a um it ends up being a lot more cathartic than i realized it would be given everything going on around the show but
0: you, you, when, when you dj like i don't know anything about djing so when you dj and you're like really feeling it can you change it up or do you like go out there with your set list and like no i'm gonna play this into this into this or do you change your mind at like midway
3: i mean to be fair i haven't had really at well my one thing was non-canon, and that was just me pulling shit from what was on SPED uh, list of songs. Yeah. But ge- generally, it's yeah, I have a good idea of what I'm going to do, especially knowing that you got to keep to your times. Like, So I've been like, I'll always do like, or, at least not save it, but at least have a recording during practice so I can keep track of where I am with my times. If you want really good stuff,
0: you should play uh, uh, Daft Punk, Around the World, followed into that song Children. From from the '90s, I forgot that dude's name who plays that, and then some of that uh, uh, whatever that song Pat McAfee comes out to, and then a few others. I'm telling you, it'll get the crowd going nuts. What the wow. fuck are you
2: talking about?
3: I'm <laughs> I'm playing hyperpop. I don't think any of that's gonna fit.
2: I don't really know what hyperpop is. That's that, that because that because you're old like me, dude. Do not give a, <laughs> do not give a fucking Modern-day DJ advice on shit that you you find Uh, popular.
0: Marcy, I will send you a copy of Now That's What I Call Music, like, 7, and you can play all that. Because right now they're up to, like, 100 and whatever, and I am old enough to remember, like, 1 through 10. (laughs) Thanks, Gramps. Thank you.
3: I mean, Marcy has
1: been torturing everybody in the Discord by practicing in the afternoons live I was, on the discord so
3: i was upset by this you came in like one song too early
1: i was just like just trying to make sure you like you said it was working like it was, your audio and video is working and you were just doing your thing i was like all right cool
0: wait you I got you, you got video yeah is there like lights and like strobes and everything when you're you playing know, it's just what, you see, no, right now. It's just
1: what sh- you see right now i mean oh i, I was gonna say I, is it is it like a scene
3: from blade to. hold on if i wanted to i can yeah, there it is. I like
0: it. The party now—just <laughs> three, three lights flashing off. <laughs> I pictured you like in Blade, where they put on the bloodbath and everybody's covered, and you're oh just—you have the lights on your head. I'm, I'm a hundred percent. I just, that. I just started. I like. <laughs> I, have been doing this three months, hon. <laughs> All right, so no marshmallow on your head, no motorcycle helmets, uh, no lights like in Blade. Come on, Mars. What are we doing here? I'm, I'm still trying to.
1: I mean, there will like, be white stuff in her hair, but it's not marshmallow. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, in, in fairness, I'm pretty sure the the marshmallow head copyrighted. Yeah, but you know, this is not
0: that kind of show. They're not going to be tearing it. it. Yeah, you
1: just toast it a little bit. You your marshmallow head.
2: I
0: like
3: I'll it. A, I'll get a pop plate. I mean, what?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You need you need one that has like the tongue that sticks out and draws. Oh yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. That would be great.
1: I got but the... it's only for DJing.
0: It's only for DJing.
1: Right. Only for D. Right. Mm-hmm. And OnlyFans.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. DJing spelled B-O-I. As we... <laughs> Wait, what? As we go E-Girl <laughs> Femboy, boy spelled B-O-I. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got all sorts of ideas for you, Mars. I'm, I'm in 100%. If you need a manager, if you want to, like, merchandise... And like really brand it up. I'm all in for you.
3: Yeah, I need to I do need a booking manager. Apparently, I don't have one. So
0: Ooh, we gotta find you somebody. We gotta find we, we gotta find you some gigs, then we gotta get you all over Cleveland and then we'll spread out. You'll be playing limelight in New York City before you know it.
3: That's a lot pettier of a comment than anyone actually realizes, that no one's gonna get, but it's okay. What <laughs> what is what's petty? Don't worry, I'll tell you after the podcast. Oh, all right. It relates to one specific person. Uh-huh.
1: Okay. It's IW guide.
2: Oh yeah. We are doing a show. Aren't we? I'm Jayhawk. Big old Marcy. I am
1: butters with a mustache part two. You got a stash now? Let me see. soul rock in the stash from last week, no beard anymore. You still got, the I'm letting the beard grow in now. It's by the time you see me, I should have like a normal beard again. All right. But I just, it is, uh, it,
0: it's a little unsettling without the beard, but it works. Yeah, my boss really hates it at work. He
1: uh he has to listen to me now because I have a mustache, so I have all the power.
0: Do you wonder ever wonder why people don't like mustaches? I, I mean, I just why do people hate them so much? I, I don't know. I don't know. My wife hated when I had my mustache. Hated it.
2: I mean, in Better Cake, you look like a bald Ron Jeremy. No.
0: <laughs> oh, that's awful. Why would you
1: say that? That's horrible.
2: Because it's funny. The hedgehog, right? <laughs> that's Ron
0: Jeremy. Oh,
1: oh, that's horrible. So what's on <laughs> we, we, we have Patreon shout outs first. Oh, right. Right. To our $10 tier, as always, Zach, Chris, Andrew, and Brock. I'd really like to add some names to that list. We, we could yeah. get some more $10 tier people. Like if you guys realize like the cool thing that's happening for December for our Patreon, our $10 tier patrons. Like there, you're not only getting a shirt, not only are you getting a sticker, but you will probably be getting a pin from Pollyanna. Like that's a huge thing that's that's huge
2: if you want to be part of that you got like three weeks to get on that ten dollar tier go yeah
1: before december 1st you you get in before december 1st uh, you get uh to be a part of that also we got to do our our special shout out to patty
3: hi patty hi patty hi patty Patty. plus we have so much coming out content wise yeah it might be something that just got edited
1: (laughs) just got edited uh episode two of marcy's arcade with Vic vice uh, should be out by the time this comes out uh jayhawk when's when's your next interview coming
2: i don't know when it's coming. i got a couple in the fire but i haven't i'm still trying to work on exactly when to record but the schedule aren't quite matching up
1: but. and josh i know has been working on getting a very special christmas interview with stan from burlington so
0: you, you never know when it's going to drop it's just hard to get his uh his handlers to uh to allow me to get access to him. So for that long did, a period
1: of time,
3: I imagine he's probably only coherent, like four to six minutes at a time.
0: I assume so that his telephone privileges are very short from my understanding. Yeah. So. He, uh, he was in the middle
1: of his, his telephone call and you could, you could hear some stuff in the background that maybe he was making that call illegally. So
3: <laughs> I think you're gonna have to do this like interview in chunks. <laughs> this could be like a year long process actually. So I don't, don't, don't over
1: no, I, I think I think it'll be ready, but you know, during maybe the holiday season, you know, when we do we drop our stand from Burlington, uh, best of at the end of the year.
3: Maybe, maybe we can give uh, I guess, handlers to give him some like extra good drugs to like keep him a little more along for like the length or, of an interview.
0: Yeah, well, I'll slip him a little Venmo and they'll let me keep him on for a little longer. Yeah, you know, you know we'll, we'll work something out. I'm sure, sure, sure. And I don't know
1: what I'm doing. I'm, I'm. I think we're gonna do some stuff with uh, Dalton called fed watching or we best. watch watch some crazy shit i don't know we'll see uh it's it's in the works there's that video should be coming soon he was supposed to have it edited a week ago so he sent it to you did he he sent it to you and to me oh i didn't get anything
3: <laughs> check your discord he sent me he sent it to me on the discord
0: i assumed you also got so that's why i didn't say anything Oh, executive producer, Marcy, you're <laughs> supposed to be on top of this.
1: All right. Uh, well, I guess let's uh, find out what's on. What's, what's on
4: this
2: weekend? weekend? Over on the fight TV kind of thing. Not a whole hell of a lot that leaked live. Uh, matter of fact, Friday and Saturday, Unless you count New Japan and like independent wrestling, that's get New japan got a pay-per-view on Friday night. On fight, Lone Star Shootout. Uh, the only other really independent wrestling they're showing live is Sunday, November 12th, Primo Pro Wrestling Loaded, which will be starting at 9 o'clock Eastern Time, 7 o'clock Mountain, that show taking place in Denver, featuring Marley and Bishop, Killian Crow, Tyra Rukami, Erga, Lonnie Valdez, Caleb Crush, and more. Marky, what do you got? All right.
3: Over on IWT up uh, there over on IWTV. This is going to be a recurring theme of this episode. I Marcy just can't talk. <laughs> uh, it's not really just Saturday is really the only thing going on. So at 8 p.m. Eastern time, TME presents the return also on Saturday at 8 p.m. Bloodstorm pro wrestling presents follow the Reaper featuring for, and this is the reason I highlight this because this, this championship name is fucking radical for the Deathcore championship. An elimination match, Remington Roar versus Alex Stretch versus Bam Sullivan versus Raven Havoc. I just want to know, do they like do you have to listen to Deathcore to be eligible for the Deathcore championship? Someone let me know. I didn't know Bam Sullivan is still going. Good for him. But yeah, that's what's going on
0: over at IWTV.
1: Oh, shout out uh Violence is Forever for winning the GCW tag team titles. Uh, last week. Oh, so weekend. I am
0: vindicated as I watch GCW now. Now when I when I when I get my handoffs from Brett. Everything is is vindication because we get. I'm there to watch Dom and Koo now. Yeah, I can go to all the GCW shows <laughs> and not feel guilty. All right. So you were waiting to
3: go to all these shows this whole time?
0: Oh no, that's not what I meant. But still, <laughs> still, it's still we're fun. on to you. <laughs> still fucking bad, but I will go because I love Dom and Koo. So that's all that matters.
5: Doing interviewing. Marks on the internet that ask the questions
2: that they think are cool to ask.
1: All right. We are joined tonight by a man formerly known as Chris Kahn, mm. also known as Bruno Moretti. And he had a nickname Hardway before uh Sam Hardway Holloway. <laughs> uh, I give you Magnum CK.
6: Hey, yeah. So I told Sam about that somewhere, like outside of Pittsburgh, I think. And uh, it, I realized when I was telling him that I didn't really have a story. I was like, hey, hey, uh, what's up, dude? Like, uh, I just met him and I was like, you know, I actually used uh, years ago the nickname Hardway. And he was like, oh, cool. And I was like, that's, that's it. That's the end of it. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't have like a cool anecdote. I was like, see you later. <laughs> uh, yeah it's, it's awkward a
1: cage match so i was like oh that's interesting i have to bring that up
0: just two yeah, people staring at each other yeah just awkwardly yeah all right yeah big uh, <laughs> right. goal uh, i can't all remember right.
6: why yeah i started uh i started training in like 04 and uh started doing battle royals at the end of that year and like had my first match in the beginning of 05. and like so it was probably sometime in 05 that i was like oh hard way and uh I think the terms were around like people knew the turn to wrestling terms, but uh, I don't think that people knew them as well as they do now. And so it didn't really land. Like, I don't think anyone knew. Like I remember it because my email address, I can't remember what it is now or what it was now, but it had something like hard way, something in it. I can't remember. And everyone was like, is that like a, is that like a porn thing? Is that like for dicks or something? <laughs> I was like, what? Like, no, like what? Wait. All right, forget it.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know what? It wasn't as cool back then, I guess. Or or it was much it was much cooler to wrestling fans and less cool now. It was one of
6: those. I remember someone saying, like, why is your email like, oh, because it was uh hard hard way seek or something like that, you know, because I've always used those initials. And it was like, why is you, why is it hard whack Why are you why are you hard whacked? That's what it was. That's <laughs> oh, what I was like, whack. <laughs> hard whack. I'm not hard whack. <laughs>
1: All right. Uh so uh does your pre show ritual look like?
6: Um Oddly, I I probably do actually. I'm a big creature of habit. I do have I do have obsessive compulsive disorder, so I do have a I do have habitual behaviors. Um, I will almost always have coffee. Um, I I drink a lot of coffee. I I just like it. Obviously, I'm a you know whatever that's a drug I guess. So I'm addicted to that. But um, I also not to get like so far down all my problems, but I also have ADHD. So, coffee really helps me like. Level out, like it has the opposite effect. Like right? I don't get like amped up. So when I have a coffee, I, I usually show up with a coffee, uh, and if I'm feeling. I also get nervous about my blood sugar. (laughs) Like I don't want to, I don't have a blood sugar issue, but like sometimes I I feel like I bottom out. So I'll usually have, um, something like that on hand, like Skittles or, uh, something easy like that. Um, so, so typically that's, that's before I get to the building, I'll have that stuff ready to go. Um, and then pre-show, I like to get in my gear as soon as possible. Is this book? i don't know you stop me if this gets boring just like wave your hand around um no he's waving already no <laughs> um no uh i get my gear on as soon as i can because i hate changing into gear i just don't like it uh so i get it over with and also i don't want to be nervous about it because sometimes lineups change and that's happened to me before where like they're like oh you're on first now and it's like i'm not ready at all uh so i get in gear very quickly um, I feel like I used to have more than I do now. I think uh, some of my stuff, like through Second City and stuff, has really made me much better of just like, all right, we're going. Like, here we go. So I don't have as much. I used to kind of like really take time to center myself or like find a corner or whatever and like try to calm myself down. I don't really feel that much anymore. Um, I do one little thing, though um, I just close my eyes, I picture. Uh, my wife is so corny, my wife and my family and our dogs on like a very empty beach, but like the waves are coming in strong, like with my breaths. And I take three big breaths, like through the nose, out the mouth, just eyes closed. Just picture that. And on the last one, I don't blow out the breath. I just say fun because uh and this is so this is so corny i'm sorry but um just because it's just a reminder to just have fun and uh and um i swear that sounds fake i swear it's true it sounds fake but that's so true i do it before improv i do it before a uh, 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 musical or whatever movie whatever i'm doing not so much movies but uh for for uh plays and stuff and uh that's about it yeah and i wear my boots i put my boots on i lace them
1: do you have a certain way that you lace them every time
6: I have a certain way to unlace them that was taught to me by the honky tonk man, Wayne Ferris. Um, I, I have, I've always gotten like taller boots. Cause I like uh, Rick Rude's boots. His, we're always a little taller. I think the height is skinny calves. I don't have skinny calves, but I did. I do have tall boots. So I was wrestling a double shot somewhere in West Virginia for ASW and they had honky tonk man on both shows. And so I got a lot of, oddly enough, I've encountered honky tonk man three or four times in my life. And every time I've encountered him, we've spent a lot of time together. (laughs) I don't know if that's just because I'm like wanting to talk to him or if it's just how it's worked out. But, uh, we talked a lot and then, uh, my match was like right before his. So I was still in my gear and he, when he got back, as his match was very short (laughs) and, uh, he was sitting there talking to me and I was, we were talking and I was unlacing my boots like one at a time, like, like left, right, left, right. And he's like, let me show you something. he's like, I used to have my son travel with me and uh, I used to have him on top of my boots. I did it like this. So he would, like, if your boots are laced, uh, he would undo one side so the laces were on the same side, and then you do two at a time. You just go like phoom, with your fingers like that, like just like pull them out like that. You can unlace your boots in like record time. And so, ever since then, 2007, I've unlaced my boots like that, but I don't have a particular way I do lace them. Oh, one, one foot at a time, like everybody else.
0: Right. <laughs> I'm just a man, just unlacing my boots one foot at a yeah. time.
6: I'm just a regular guy. Lace my <laughs> lace my wrestling boots every morning, one at a time.
0: I know everybody else has lots
1: of questions that aren't wrestling related, so this will probably be the last one that uh, is wrestling related for a bit. Whoa! No, uh, oh, no, I got
0: I got tons of wrestling. Oh, related. do you have I, tons of wrestling uh, stuff? Is, okay, I don't yeah, I don't know. Is, everybody
1: was talking about how they're so excited for all this other stuff to talk I, about. So,
0: well, I got to get through the basics after I get, but you go first. Go finish right, your uh, thing.
1: My last one, my favorite one. Uh, what's the worst ring name you've ever heard?
6: Um, I have a few, uh, so, and I don't want to speak ill of anyone, uh, but this is just true and it's bad. When I first started, um, again, like Oh four Oh five, I was in Parkersburg, West Virginia. It's where I'm like, was kind of born and where I was, you know, and where I lived. And, um, there was an the NWA NWA tri-state ran out of there. And so that's where I started, um, for the most part. And, um, there were a bunch of names I could pick from there that were terrible, but, and again, nice guy, but his name was DJ Skittles. And, uh, <laughs> and I feel bad already. I feel bad saying it cause he's a really nice guy, <laughs> but, um, it was bad. It's a bad name. It's, it's objectively a bad name. Um, he would come out to that starry eyed surprise. i like, Oh, my oh, no. starry eyed dance all night to this DJ. And he was A shortish white gentleman who would Cabbage Patch uh, dance to that song. And it was a trajectory to his career. (laughs) Uh, as far as, so far as I was around, because when I, I used to go to the shows before I became a wrestler, I would go to those monthly shows at the city park there. And he would come out with a big, like, you know, like the Halloween bag of Skittles, like the fun side, but it was like individual packs. He was the most over guy in the company because he would come out with all the, and all the kids and he would be dancing and he would hand, he would hold out the big bag and kids would reach in and grab like a, a small pack of Skittles. Um, and then one of my first matches I had there was a three way, and he got the pin on me. His move. Does anyone want to guess what his finisher was in t- t- late 2004, early 2005? What DJ Skill's finishing move was?
2: Mm. Uh, and it could be, like, yeah, be something stupid like, it could be he it something stupid like, hate the rainbow or something. <laughs> Do you know
6: what the move was? It was a very famous
2: finisher. No, nah, I've never seen him work to my knowledge. Go, so no, I have no idea.
6: Mm. The Stone Cold Stunner, of course, oh, uh, no. was DJ Skittle's finisher. And so he gives me the stunner because, of course, I had to take the pen because it was like my second match ever or something. And he rolls out of the ring. And to me, his music is playing. And to me, not to anybody, he was not work. This was not a work. I, he said this to me and was his eyes were on fire. And he goes, welcome to the NWA. And just like oh. walked off and like, was <laughs> um, it was weird. It was so weird. But anyway, the trajectory part was, um, I guess as the, as the, as the economy, uh, tanked, I suppose, um, he stopped having the bag of the individually wrapped and would just get like the giant bulk bag of like loose Skittles. And so he would, <laughs> he would hold out the bag. And kids would just reach their arms in and pull out handfuls <laughs> went around the ring. <laughs> oh, that's so fucking gross, too. <laughs> and and the only other thing I know, I sorry, I, I meant to tell you guys before we start. I get talking, uh, so cut me off if you need to. Um, no, but the, the other things are, there was one ring announcer who messed up two of my friends' names in the same night. Uh one was the jugulator, who was a good friend of mine who I was just thinking about earlier, oddly enough. But he went to announce him and he's like from lower LA, whatever it is, the Jugulator. Because he was reading it. So we've we called jugs the Jugulator for years. And then Vance Desmond, violent Vance Desmond, who helped uh train me originally, uh, the same guy, you know, he wrote down he wrote, the ring announcer, he wrote everyone's names that he came around before the show. I said, What's your name? What's your weight? where are you from? and vance desmond all right vance desmond that's it vance desmond it's pretty easy he into the microphone uh and from three mile island weighing or whatever it was weighing in at like 205 pounds vance uh des moines <laughs> or something oh and that was it <laughs> Vance Des Moines or something. So uh that was the, those are those are the worst names that I can think of off the top of my head. You're just doomed at that
0: point. You know your career, you're just doomed at that. You're like, oh no, no, this is just the worst possible thing that could happen when you get when the guy messes up your name. I just imagine
1: James- uh James Mitchell yelling welcome to the NWA after starting that big pile of coke.
0: Oh my
2: god. Oh God. Oh, god. Yeah. I, I can yeah. guarantee that the ring announcer that night would not Hank Hutton.
0: I was gonna say that could be like uh, 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 Magnum's uh, evolution he he goes from like big time actor all the way through into like the end of his career where he's just yeah. doing blow on a table telling people how great he used to be. That was I used, to, yeah, I used to be Mitchell.
6: over <laughs> in Parkersburg, West Virginia I used to be over. I used to wrestle with DJ Skittles and Des Moines.
1: <laughs> we talked about D- this one time D- in Nitro.
3: Right. <laughs> DJ Skittles terrible wrestling name but money DJ
0: name oh marcy there you go for when you do your gig think I was, about that one that's your secondary name as a secondary that's gonna right be... right aka dj skittles
3: that'll be when i get the when i get the marshmallow helmet will be i'll just right. <laughs> oh, be a giant skittle
0: that i like that too you got big s right on the face your eyes are right through parts of the x it works uh, perfectly
6: spirit spirit halloween everything's on sale there's definitely a skittles <laughs> helmet or something you can pick up <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. So, so I have been dying. I've been dying to talk to you since I, I've been, I, I, when my brother and I came out to Cleveland, I saw you at, uh, um, uh, Gauntlet and you came out with the production and you did the thing with your arms and you're knocking people's hats off. And I'm like, I, I was like, fat. I'm like, what is, what is going on here? I'm like, I, I, I was loving like the, like the irreverence you had for all these people you're just like ugh whatever and you had your arms out and you're slapping everybody's hats off their heads and you're just quipping with everybody where did that where did that come from what's the evolution uh, especially you mentioned you started in like 04 so mm-hmm. what was the evolution into the wh- the leading man the actor where where did that get to how did you like decide you know cuz um, now you're all in right you're an actor yeah. you do you do second city <sighs> so where did that come from
6: I mean, uh, so I started acting around the time I started wrestling. I mean, you know, like right. I mean, I started in senior year of high school, I got into it. And then right after I started trying to do like plays and stuff. And a few years later I started doing musicals. And since I've done just so many different things, I mean, plays, musicals, commercials, films, like just all over the place. Um, and, uh, so I've been performing now almost, uh, probably 20 years, I guess at this point. Um, but the 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 character you see now wasn't until the later stages of my of my career or whatever because i mean i picked up wrestling pretty quickly i mean i was around it my whole life my uncles a, was a wrestler and it still promotes a little bit but right. um so i've always been around it but um so i picked up the training part pretty quickly like i trained a lot i how i got in was um uh, I showed up at NWA Tri-State, and I had a couple of friends that I worked at the movie theater with, who who, uh, were, who were wrestlers. You know, uh, Vance Desmond was one of them, and he's like, just show up, just get in the ring. Like Rich Arpin was the guy's name who was running, and he's like, Rich, Rich's not gonna notice you're in. So I just roll in. He starts showing me stuff, and then Rich immediately is like, Hey, who are you? Come here, come here, <laughs> get out of the ring. And he's like, uh, Your tryout's gonna be seventy-five dollars, which you know, two thousand four, I was, I, I didn't have a dime to my name, and he was like, uh training. I forget what it was, like fifteen hundred dollars or something and i was like well that's the end of my wrestling career <laughs> It's like, never gonna happen uh honestly, i don't think if i had a place to live at that point to be if i'm being honest there were a couple of periods in that time frame where i honestly did not have a place to live for huge stretches of time um and uh so what happened was my grandparents had this old like church building from like the 1800s that was like just sturdy weird old church in the country so i i came back the next month to the promoter and i was like hey I know you guys train once a month, but how would you like to train people every week? I have this building. You can use it for free if you let me train. And of course, you know, yeah, he could charge a lot more for training. So I got trained for free, but I also got like thousands of hours of training out of it. I mean, we we worked, pro- I probably wrestled a hundred matches before I had my first match. Um, so I got all this training time. So the wrestling I picked up quickly. The character stuff, honestly, not as quickly. I, I was way too in my head. Like acting, I've I picked up pretty quickly, and and, and I've studied a lot. I spent a lot of money and a lot of time training all over the country, all over you know, with acting and um, just different things. But wrestling was always I I, I never. I could never figure it out because I was trying too much to be like a wrestler. Like my first few years I was wrestling, I was just trying to be like a TNA guy or something. And I don't mean that pejoratively, but I mean like I was trying to emulate guys I was watching on TNA or Ring of Honor at the time. And it just wasn't, it's not me, you know? So I was just trying to do what I thought you were supposed to do as a wrestler. So I was just kind of boring. And then every once in a while, I would say something to an audience member and make the whole place laugh. But like, it was different back then. Like you weren't allowed, like... It was always funny doesn't equal money right like so like if i was ever too entertaining someone would give me shit about it or like you know uh kick the shit out of me <laughs> or something you know so like it was different it was a much much different world back then um so uh i was really struggling when you know i, I kind of got out of the ring for a little while uh, I was doing commentary. I was running show, like not running shows as a promoter, but I was helping to run them. You know, like I was, I was an agent. I was writing a lot of shows. Uh, I was sporadically in the ring. And when I finally got back into it in earnest, uh, you know, a few, several years ago, it was, it was two things that, that got me doing the character that I do now, uh, um, was I was, I was on a show and it went fine. I think I wrestled, um, a tag match. It was like Marian Fontaine and Devon Dudley <laughs> against Jock wow. Sampson and me. <laughs> this wow. was like a weird night. And, um, I was at Applebee's with my wife uh, cause it was the only thing open in town. And she came to that show and I was just like, God, I don't know. I had, I had some ideas. I was like, I was sketching out some stuff. And I was like, what if I wore this? What if I did this? And she was finally like, are you, do you want to like, not, she wasn't this blunt, but she's like, are you ready to listen to me about what I think? And I was like, <laughs> yes, for sure. Yeah, and yeah. she was like, just stop, just be yourself, be more yourself. Like, you know, you, you know, and she kind of like planted that seed of like, that's not, what you're describing to me isn't what she's like, write down the guys you like the most in wrestling. And I was like, Andy Kaufman, Rick rude, like Rick flair, like all they named off all these, all these different people named Rick. And, um, <laughs> and she was like, well, why? And so I started naming. So we spent this whole dinner, which by the way, oddly enough, AJ styles was like a few booths over. Cause like some fan was, or a sponsor was like buying his steak or oh. whatever. So I was like in his Applebee's with AJ styles across the way. And, um, uh, so we wrote down all the things that why, why I like those wrestlers. And she's like, just do that, do all that shit. What do they wear? Like what, you know, like think about that, like make an amalgamation of that. And, um, So I started doing that. I ordered a cape. I found someone who wasn't a wrestling gear designer, and I was like, design me something that doesn't look like anything wrestlers are wearing, you know, and like, so she designed some stuff for me. And then um, right around that time, shortly after that, I mean, I guess skipping, it's probably six, eight, nine months later, something like that, or maybe a year later, Chandler Biggins got really sick. And so he and I had always been in contact from all my years going up to Cleveland before. We'd been sporadically in, in contact. We talked a lot on Twitter Messenger a lot. Like we listened to a lot of podcasts Uh, the richard simmons podcast was a big one that we bonded over and uh he got really sick uh obviously and he's an AIW uh former aiw promoter for anyone who doesn't know and um john thorne while while biggins was in the hospital uh uh and we thought they thought he was going to die that day and he didn't he hung on just a little bit longer but um john thorne came down with shana baszler and pedro uh deluca for the ring announcer at the time and I was just, I'd never met John in my life. And I talked to Biggins a thousand times. And so I just went up to John and I i, I didn't, again, it was the first day I'd ever even met him as far as I know. And um, I just started talking to him uh, at the end of the show because he just looked so sad. And I was sad. Everybody was sad because we announced that Chandler was probably dying, you know, and, and everything in the ring and so I just talked to him. We didn't talk about wrestling. I didn't give a shit about getting booked at AIW. I mean, I'd always wanted to work there, but that's not why I talked to him. You know, I was just talking to him because we had a friend, a similar friend in common. He was much better friends with him than I was, but um, I just had tears in my eyes and so did he. And we just talked about Chandler for a few minutes. And um, uh, a few months later, he just messaged me and was like, hey, are you uh, doing anything for Absolution? You got this date, it's Absolution. And we're bringing Arn Anderson. And I was like, i can't make that one i can't do it. i was like crushed i was like oh no like my 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 big thing was AIW, you know in the back of my mind and i can't do it so he's like no problem he sent me the rest of the dates and anyway uh, he told me the idea he's like we're gonna put you with frankie flynn and a few other guys and um they're to do it, they're called the production and they do this like theater thing and i was like great he's like you're like a theater guy right and i was like yeah yeah you know i've done all this theater and uh um And then I got kind of nervous. I remember leading up to the show. And so I mustered up the courage to message him and be like, Hey, like, I don't know, like, I'm kind of swimming here. Like, I don't know what, what what do you think I should do? You know? And he was just like, you're a theater guy, just be a theater guy. And I was like, okay. So like the combo of like my wife being like putting me through all that work of like, just think about what you like about wrestling and just fucking do that and stop trying to pretend to be somebody else. And, um, uh, Thorne being like, just be a theater guy, and then it just clicked. So, long story short, too late. I'm very sorry. The entrance. So, I the was show's going about to you, my... you
0: can say whatever you like. Go on, we love it. Go on,
6: cock balls. <laughs> I can say anything. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Any, anything. <laughs> uh, uh, I was going to New York. My wife and I were going to New York. I was wrestling in Marion, Ohio. Uh uh nwa midwest i think at the time but anyway um i was coming out at the time to andy cod that song from the andy kaufman documentary is a song by the bobs called march and fanfare and it's just all acapella like this big regal sounding thing and uh i had my big cape at the time i hadn't figured out the character quite i was getting there i was really getting there and doing a lot more things i like i had the big long red cape at the time uh, probably still had Van Halen tights because uh, for a minute I'd already ordered the tights before my wife set me straight. I ordered the tights that were like eighties album covers. Cause I was like, I'll just be like the eighties guy. And she's like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> like be the eighties guy without being the eighties guy. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, so I'd already had them. but anyway. So I was like, I wanted to make her laugh because I knew she'd be very bored. Because she's 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 very gracious and she's a performer, but she's not a wrestling fan. I mean, she can enjoy anything, but like I knew she's gonna be sitting there for a while, and I was like late later in the card, I think with Fontaine. I can't remember. I think I was wrestling Fontaine, and so I was like, "Hey, watch my entrance tonight." And I told Fontaine what I was gonna do, and I told the music guy, that said, don't stop playing my music till I get in the ring, no matter what." keep looping it yeah and so i just as slow as i could like a robot like i had my arms straight out and i like walked through the curtain with my arms out like sideways like i like my arms were stuck out (laughs) and uh i just started slowly going to the ring like just as slow as possible and like immediately everyone hated it and then it was like then they get bored and then they hate it again and then it was like that (laughs) like that thing where like something's funny and you keep doing it and it's not funny anymore but then it's funny again because you keep doing it it was like that and there was this older guy uh who was one of those and they're rarer these days but one of those i'm pretty sure he thinks this is real guys you know what
4: i mean like Like my grandpa
6: yep yeah like yep. he believed he believed in the magic and uh <laughs> he was going nuts and he was in my face and so I just kind of stopped and without looking I just reached over and grabbed his hat and just flung it straight up in the air <laughs> and then kept walking but had to like you know because I didn't want to sell that I thought he was going to jump me and he did if you watched it but he tried so like someone he tried he got his hat and then tried to get me but someone stopped him and I was like because I wasn't turning around I just played it off yeah so then I, I just that that's that's how it started. Like two weeks later, I debuted uh, at AIW or a couple of weeks after that I had my first match. I just did the same thing arms out, but the rail was closer to the ring there. Yeah, And so I had my arms out and everyone was standing there and I was like, shit i'm gonna hit people in the face i was like well i'm not moving i'm a bad guy who cares i'll just pretend i'm more important so i just like paintbrushed everybody as i walked by (laughs) like slow (laughs) motions it was just like my hand like slowly like sliding (laughs) (laughs)
0: that's that's exactly (laughs) what like i it it turned like no i noticed it when you when i first saw you i was like that's fucking ridiculous he's not gonna move he's just gonna keep going and the aiw fans god bless them just let it happen just they were just like sports Yeah, Yeah. they just took it through. I mean, that was that's amazing.
6: Well, (laughs) Well, and it's funny because, like, since I've been back, there are some people who who know the deal and some people that don't. So there's always people like I, because I feel bad throwing people's hats. If I'm if I'm being honest, like unless unless it's like. Justin Summers like people I know. I'm just like, I feel, I'll throw his to the fucking Sure, moon, We buddy. love jumping on Justin <laughs> yeah, Summers. It's yeah, fine. Like, I, 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 he loves it too. But like every once in a while, I, I try to do a little less just so it's not as crazy. People don't expect it as much, but every once in a while I will grab someone's hat and they look genuinely surprised. And I'm like, Oh, well this guy doesn't know. <laughs> Sorry, bud. Like, yep. <laughs> That's for you. Yep.
0: So, so you did, you have that, you have that in place and you were when, so when you won the tag titles with Frankie, Things were really, you were like, like red hot, right? You started cutting these promos and they were heel promos, and now you're cutting promos and they're good. Uh, I'm not sure what the fans think of you. Are you a good guy, bad guy? But how do you feel now as opposed to then? Were you comfortable doing those promos and are you more comfortable now? Where do you, where did you, where do you like yourself in those? Cause there, some of the stuff you put out is should be on TV. I mean, oh, uh, if I'm just being honest, there was stuff when you had a, when you did too cold um when you were on the cover of the uh, of the flyer that was i think you you mentioned it was like your first cover um you, yeah. you cut a promo there and it was outstanding where where did that come in where did you automatically now where are you like oh i can do this now now that i found my um, character i can my promos are going to be catching up
6: i think it's easier in the sense that i don't have to think about it as much and i don't mean like i don't have to put as much thought into it like as far as what i'm saying but like i would really really like um uh overthink it and be like oh like is that gonna work does that make sense like i don't know i mean i've always been kind of a a a one take person or one or two takes i try to get it the first time i do it just because it's really hard to replicate that same emotion or whatever um and i feel like i write down a lot less like i keep a note i've had a notes app in my phone or whatever like i've just promo stuff for a decade at this point Of just random lines or like random ideas or themes i think i find myself thinking more in themes than i do of like lines and stuff now um of just like what's the one simple boil it down thing i'm trying to say um and uh it came pretty quickly actually like i don't remember uh, I, I remember releasing my first AIW like talking promo. Cause, uh, um, the, I think the first one I actually did was the peanut butter with PB smooth. I was just eating a jar of peanut butter. and I didn't say anything. I think that was yeah. the first one I did. Um, but the one I did after that, I really wanted to put over their production and really like nail everyone's character down and talk about them. Uh, cause I was in a weird spot because, um, I'm um, probably personality wise and experience wise, you know, probably could have easily been like the leader of the group, but I was placed like Frankie was the leader of the group, you know, so really was probably tough for Frankie, honestly, just because, uh, and I, I swear, I am I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I, well, I guess if you have to say this, maybe it's not true, but I, I'm, I'm a pretty humble person. I don't think I'm like, but I'm aware of the things that i'm good at i'm aware of the things that i'm bad at and one thing i'm good at is shit like that like you know i'm really good at getting over with the crowd i'm really good at talking even off the fly off the cuff you know but i'm i'm really good at those promos cuz they're they're it's like you ever see a local band and they write their own songs but the singer's not writing in a key he can sing in you know what I mean? Like and you're like, dude, <laughs> you fucking wrote that. Like you so like I get to write all my songs in my key. You know, so yeah. like when I'm doing yeah. a promo, it gets to be what, what I'm good at and the way that I'm good at delivering because I wrote it or, or I have thought of it or whatever. Um <clears throat> so it was a bit of a weird spot. So I was trying to really put everyone else over and not try to seem selfish, you know, or seem like I was just trying to like get myself over. And I think once I got over that and really started focusing on like, it's okay if I, if I'm just uh, popular or I'm over or I'm focusing on myself or whatever, that's fine. Cause when I wrestle, I'm a very unselfish wrestler. So it was okay to be a little more selfish in the promos because that's what a lot of people seem to really remember. Um, And one thing I really wanted, and I still stick with this once in a while, I'll still do, kind of a, try to do a funny one or one I think is funny but um, I like the idea of the promos being very serious and like deadly dr- like serious and dramatic and then when I perform it's almost like it's not you know what I mean like I like um One of my favorite wrestlers, uh, while he's on my arm. I got Terry Funk here. Uh, Terry Funk is tattooed on my arm because I love him. And um, one thing I noticed when my wife kind of gave me that homework of, hey, watch your favorite wrestlers and see what you love about them. Aside from people named Rick, there was also Terry uh, (laughs) Funk on that list. And I finally realized one of the reasons why I loved him so much was because one minute he could be sitting on the second rope with his hand on the top rope, getting punched and knocked upside down and like trying to punch the cameraman and like, you know, getting shoved over by a fan and getting like horse collared with chairs and falling all over the place. But then when he got the opponent back in the ring, you thought he was going to kill the guy, you know? So it was like that, toggle switch between like oh my god he's so silly and funny but also jesus you gonna hurt this guy what's going on so i like to play with that back and forth where it's like i am not afraid to get egg on my face i don't need to look cool i i i think trying to look cool is the least cool thing you can probably do as a performer so i will trip over the top row or the bottom rope and i will you know let a fan knock me over and i'll you know get get punked out by the ref or whatever but when I start in on somebody, you might think like, shit, he's probably going to win like, geez. So, um, I stole that from him. So I think the promos are my way of doing that, where it's like, I really like a dramatic tone. Uh, but now that I say that I, I can think of the one that really made it click was I was wrestling a friend of mine named chance Prophet, And he paints his face very intricately, like with this black and white design. And so I did like, a. I was sitting, I was sitting in darkness and I was sitting profile and, and uh, you know, so you could just see my face and I was just talking about like, you know, I wasn't looking at the camera. I was just like chance profit, you're this and that, whatever, but I'm an actor. Don't you understand? Like I, 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 uh, I take the world as everyone knows it. And I smash it into all these pieces and I reconstruct it my way. And I sell it back to them. I, I'm selling yourself, you know, whatever. And uh, you know, I've seen a million faces. I can be a million faces, but what are you going to do when you have to face your very own? And I would turn and like half of my face was painted as his. And, um, that's the one where i was like oh shit that was like so moody and dramatic and that's really all the ones after that kind of kept that same tone where it was just like i wanted my matches to feel important but then when people are watching my matches i don't want them to have to think too much i don't want them to have to be worried i don't want them to have to not understand what's happening and i want them to be part of it so i think there's like a nice dichotomy there between those two ideas
0: yeah definitely i i I remember you gave an unhinged. I have one more question, Marson. I'm going to send it over. I remember you gave an unhinged promo with Bobby Orlando and Hoboken, and wow. it was fucking nuts. Cause I looked at you. I remember watching this thing on Capital wrestling and I was like, I don't know if he really knows what's going on or cares to be here because like, I didn't know it, you were just, you were so like, I don't know what's going on. This guy's got a goat. This is going on. And I was just, I'm like, this is ridiculous. And then you come out and there was nobody in the crowd. It was like me, And then like two other guys on one side of the ring and there's, and you walk out and there's one dude sitting there and you look at him and you go, I see you brought all your friends and you just slap (laughs) them and walk by. And you, and I was like, that is that at least he's having fun. Like, I was like, that is ridiculous. What I just saw. And this was, this leads me up to, this was before you retired for a while. You were kind of, you were red hot. I saw you there. You were, you were winning titles just real. I don't know. I don't know if you've talked about it to death, but, can you give us just a little bit of, like, your, your thoughts? At that point, you were so hot, then you had to retire. And you, now that you're back, what was going through your head at that point when you had to retire? And through that time, I mean, you really, you, t- you honed up your skills in acting and in comedy and everything. But what was going through your head at that moment where you were red hot? I mean, you probably could have won the AIW title easily um, at that point with how much people were, like, enjoying your work. What, what went through your head at that point?
6: Well, I found out later that I was going to um when we interviewed john thorne the next year for because we were making a a sequel documentary and it wasn't i was i was a part of it uh but it wasn't supposed to be about me i was just gonna uh, we we had this documentary called marking out yeah it was all about fandom and then so the follow-up marking out Two. uh i forget what the working title was but the through line of it was just going to be me kind of like because it was kind of meta, you know. Our documentaries were meta, so it was like me doing this wrestling thing, but we were we had all these other things planned. And then when I, you know, all, when I found out what was going on with my body, I, it changed. And it was my my uh, film partner at the time's idea to just change it. He was like, "We just have to do this." Mm-hmm. Um, but um, when we were interviewing John, he said that the plan was I think Frankie and I were going to drop the tag titles at uh the mania weekend that year in 2019 and then the plan was for me to win i think gauntlet and then go through and win win the championship um at absolution and that was <clears throat> i think that was a week or so before that absolution was happening and um i was devastated i mean that sounds so stupid to say now just because it's like well i'm an adult talking about winning a wrestling belt but um I mean, it's your life, that no, You know, it was something. Well, it was, and I didn't know about that. And like, I, 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 love wrestling, and there are lots of places I love to be, and lots of people in wrestling that I love, and that I, I have a lot of, um, uh, a- admiration for nothing none more than aiw and none more than than john thorn honestly um because he's 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 just a real he's a real guy i mean he's just a real lovely person and he's done more for me than than people know about uh, even now since i've been back and for others countless others um but uh the thought that i had going through my mind was it was a, a while it was it was a long time so when i I looking back through the footage and everything and trying to piece together how long my back had been hurting. Uh, we, we, I think we determined where it happened uh, the, the back injury and it was almost a year before I quit wrestling. Uh, so it's very similar, uh, very similar to what's happening, not to date the episode too much, but like with what's happening with Seth Rollins, where he's got those fractures in his spine that he was talking about. Really, really similar uh, to that. And um, uh so my whole run in AIW and that whole like hot, really, really hot, fun year I had, I was in a lot of pain more that was increasing every couple of weeks. It just felt like it was just getting ratcheted up more and more Um, until I was having like pain down my leg and like weakness in my leg and stuff. And, and especially my one side and just no comfortable position and just locked in a car driving all the time. I mean, still now to this day, but like no comfortable way to lay, no comfortable way to stand. Just like, I, and then I don't. I don't take any pills, really. Like I don't really do, you know. I'm not. I don't. I wouldn't call myself like a teetotaler, I guess, but I just don't take a lot of things. I have a high threshold for pain, but I also just get uh, uh, nervous about medicines and things like that, just because of addiction and stuff in my family. So, um, you know, I was just dealing with it, just dealing with it, and you just think, oh, I must have landed funny or whatever. But yeah, it was a year, and it was just getting worse and worse, and then I finally told my doctor about it the summer of 2018 and so we started doing stuff i started seeing other people they did some x-rays and stuff and uh it's funny how they told me so about my the condition that i have which is very common the condition that i have is really 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 common it's just that it, the the circumstances were not so i i went in i had to go back in for another follow-up with just my regular docs. she wanted to check in every like few weeks at that point and um uh, one of her assistants or whatever, like one of the, whatever they are, like internists or whatever, interns, I don't know what they are, but uh, I don't think it was a nurse. It was just somebody there. And they were like, asking about my back. I was, and they're like, well, yeah, that's the spina bifida. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I guess. And I was like, wait, what is it? I was like, excuse me? She's like, oh, they didn't tell you? And I was like, no, nobody oh, told no. So it's spina bifida occulta which thankfully you know when i was a personal trainer i had the first client i ever had was someone that had the the other kind of spina bifida the one that you most closely associate with like people who can't walk without assistance right, right. and things like that so i was very familiar with that so when she said that like panic went over my body um and then when i looked it up it is common it says it was like the open version of it so uh, anytime you see someone with like dimples in their lower back odds are they probably have it so it doesn't create any issues on its own for the most part uh it can be degenerative it can but often isn't even noticed you know but what isn't normal is doing like top rope elbow drops and landing wrong you know (laughs) and like landing on your ass wrong and stuff like that so that's what i'd done and so i had a bunch of uh stress fractures and other uh fractures in my spine and right on my, around my tailbone. And um, so they, those showed up in the x-rays and everything. And the doc was like, you know, I was like, well, what do we do? And she's like, well, uh, you can keep doing what you're doing and it'll probably get worse. And you're probably going to have to have a spinal fusion at some time, or you can just stop doing, what stop doing that, (laughs) you know? And, uh, she was pretty blunt at the time. And so I got very freaked out. And so several weeks went by, I I was still wrestling. Uh, I wrestled several men. I mean, I didn't stop, you know? Um, and I had to send John Thorne, the message. Finally, just one day. I, I, I don't. I don't think there was like a, a key moment. It was probably a series of several dozen conversations with my wife. Um, and I had to send. It was the worst. It was the worst. And that sounds so stupid because it's just wrestling and it's just you know. But um, sending John Thorne the message because it wasn't just wrestling. It wasn't just hey, I have this injury. I was freaked out by the injury for sure, but. Uh, um, because uh, I was like walking funny and stuff. It was just, it was weird. I uh, couldn't run. I had to stop sprinting and stuff like that. But the the, the wrestler brain, it, my brain was, I'm one of his champions. Like, I'm one of his fucking champions. And I have to tell him, sorry, sir, here's your belt back, you know? Mm. And that's why we did it. Because he was like, Do you, you, you know, because we were a book. We were supposed to wrestle with that show, it was supposed to be Frankie and I against David Arquette and RJ City. And Arquette got a movie oh. thing and couldn't couldn't do the show anymore. Uh, and they right. they had even done a promo like Arquette did a promo for the match like it was happening, and um so they switched it. And he asked if we wanted to have like Derek or someone do the match, and I was like, no, no, I'm going to do it. Like I'll I'll be careful and I'll be fine and I'll do it. I've been wrestling this whole time, you know, whatever. Yeah. And uh, I wanted to lose, you know, I wanted to get pinned because I thought for sure I'll never get to do this ever again so um not to bring it down too much but i was i was devastated i really was i mean nothing felt good about it that night was amazing you know i've said i'll never have i'll never like when when i'm done wrestling you know whatever the next time like i've had my retirement night i will never do anything. you know nothing will top that i'll never replicate that you know when i go away i'll just go away uh because i already already got to have my retirement which is very cool but um as as good as that night felt i mean it's almost like i part of me wasn't there you know like it was it was interesting uh but i will say leading up to that the few weeks leading up to that were eye opening because uh one thing when you're doing stuff like this all the time or you're performing all the time is you don't you lose sight of stuff or at least I lose would lose sight of stuff pretty easily. You kind of lose the forest for the trees, right? So you're complaining right. about weird stuff, you're having weird disagreements or like whatever the case may be, and you get wrapped up in the minutia of things and you don't really appreciate what's happening. But I can say that I had a ha- a cluster of shows there where I knew that I was about to be done and I just really sunk in and enjoyed it and like tried to be present and just not be nervous and just be ready to, to, to have fun. And getting this second go around uh, has been wonderful because I've kept that. I've, I've, I've realized like, I, instead of being like, oh my God, I got to do this. And we got this spot. And then there's definitely shows that are more stressful than others. I'm just like, Hey, this might be the last one. I don't know. Like y- y- you never know. So like, just have fun, just enjoy it. Yeah. So uh, people say that, but I actually get to take that with me, but to, to yeah, your question, it was awful. It was terrible Yeah. <laughs> because I didn't know what to do with myself. Now, luckily I'm into other things. You know what right. I mean? Like, right, right. like, like theater and, and, and other things like that. And I have a lot of other responsibilities in my life and interest, but it was like, it was never an option in my life to not be a pro wrestler. Like even in times when I wasn't doing it as much, I was still that in my mind, I was still, Hey, I'm a wrestler, you know? And yeah. so to have that like gone, it was weird. It just felt so weird. I can't, I can't imagine Mars. I want to, I'm going to pass it over to you so that we
0: can keep going. Cause I, <laughs> I, I have a million, but I'll one day when I see him in person, I'll probably bu- bug the shit out of him. but go ahead. <laughs>
3: Uh so actually on the, like do you dive a into like your history with acting in the theater and improv? Um so basically, like how did you like find that interest in yourself? like how did you get into like just you mentioned in high school you were like getting into it and stuff,
6: yeah, um, so I was always um so I undiagnosed ADHD, like I said, you know, so I was oftentimes not paying attention and and, Me and too. I have, like the. I have that. Right. So they say ADHD and that you people think of it about the H part, like the hyperactive part, you know. Uh, uh, And um, so I didn't have that like I wasn't like a like uh, what's the, they used to give kids like Ritalin and stuff like that. Like I didn't, I wasn't that. That, that was type. me.
0: I was the first kid yeah. on the block in, in the '80s to be on Ritalin. I had the ADHD yeah, yeah. diagnosed.
6: My yep. thing, my my hyperactivity is just in my in my head, you know. So I would just be off, and I would always fantasize about like, oh, performing or whatever. Like I remember through middle school being like, I should sign up for the talent show. Like we should do so, but like I was always just too afraid to do it. And we did like a play in ninth grade. I had like two lines, and I was petrified or whatever. So it's the same old story that happens with a lot uh, you know I'm a uh, uh, 2003 I was like a, just starting my senior year uh, and the year the year before junior year I had a speech class and for my speech class I was just do like normal speeches or whatever like I would just try to get through them and I was very nervous and then right around that time and fuck them now but like at the time the Hulk Hogan like DVD had come out from like whatever Hulkamania I don't know and I grew up, you know, Hulk Hogan was like the big thing when I grew up. And so they had an a extra on that DVD that was um, him making a protein shake. Uh, and it was just gross. Like, it was just like, yeah, throw the eggs in, brother in the shell. Like, you'll be ripping out the backjack. And hey, dude, you know, and he's just like going through all this stuff. And he's like, you drink, drink the shell, Gene. And like me and Gene would drink it. And I'm like, oh, so gross. You know, uh, he, he was like training me and Gene to wrestle or whatever. And so we had to replicate a speech and I was like, I'm going to do this. And so I did, I got like a shirt and I cut it up and I got all all the ingredients. And I just did like a Hulk Hogan promo um, uh, with the voice and everything. And everyone in the class was just like equal parts, like shocked and like, well, I guess maybe entertained, but it was just like, what's happening. And like, they laughed, but like probably some at me, some with me, I guess. And um, the teacher became the theater teacher that year. And she was like, you, I want you to audition, you know? And I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't. And at the time, like I had to have a job, like I wasn't, you know, whatever. I've, I've had lots of controversy with my family that I don't, I don't really speak with my family, uh, my immediate family because of, uh, an interview I did after Papa Shango, uh, gave me the voodoo ooze. I did a a national interview about it. And I mentioned that I came from a very poor upbringing and my parents took exception to it and haven't talked to me ever since. So whatever. Yeah. So whatever. So, uh, I had to have a job and I was like, I can't do this play. I have a job. And then my teacher was like, well, how much are you going to make? Uh, I'll, I'll pay you what they're paying you to just come here and do this. And I couldn't do that, but I did do the, the play plays you know so i started doing plays because of that and um uh, you know how it is like especially in a smallish town uh there's like two guys in the theater program right so like you're just like all the male lead roles like the ones that they didn't switch over and have a, a girl do or something you know like so you're just like the lead and so you like start to feel like oh i'm getting on stage time like, i'm good at this and then i graduated went out to a community college and auditioned for a theater there and was like not cast at all <laughs> so i started getting coaching i found a i found a, a professor who did private coaching and he helped a lot and then i just started building there but i mean like I, you know it's easy I, it's easy for me to downplay it but I've, I've i've done tons of tons of private lessons and and all kinds of things like that like i've put a lot of time and research and work into it um and, uh, and and that's kind of how I got going through. So then through college, and then started doing community things. But I moved to Chicago in 2013, and I went to the Second City because that, that's why I moved to Chicago. I literally was like, I'm going to do Second City, and I'm going to be I'm going to be a Second City actor, and I can't wait. And I did improv, never done improv before. Improv before, I went to their accelerator program for actors you know because i was like hey i had enough acting experience they accepted me to this program and i fucking sucked i fucking sucked so bad and uh everyone around me was so good and i was so bad and i hung in for like three or four months we did like two or three times a week and i finally just quit going uh because i had just a bomb i bombed so bad one time at a class i just never went back and uh it's because i thought you had to be funny when you're doing improv and you don't like that's actually the worst thing like if you if you try to be funny in an improv scene it is the least funny fucking thing and it's a disaster but i just saw like fred willard and shit in movies and i was like he's always just like saying jokes and shit i just gotta come up and say jokes and it was like every scene was just black fucking death so then uh <laughs> fast, for- fast forward to the pandemic we're in lockdown and um I'm sitting with my wife one night and I saw something about second city was doing online classes, you know? And I was like, man, you know, I just told her all about like, yeah, when I went to Chicago, you know, this before we were together and I was like, I quit. And I've always, I've always been bothered by that. And she's like, well, just fucking do it. Pussy, you know, <laughs> 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 not the correct thing to say, but that's how we talk to each other. You're very, you know, just kind of sure. goofing around. Yeah. And uh, I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And so I signed up on a whim and then immediately regretted it, but then did it online. And something about like learning it online helped me like uh, figure it out in my head. And then when things started opening up, I auditioned for second city's conservatory and got in and, uh, So I went up there every weekend for like 13 months, Uh, every Saturday. And then for a few months, we had our show at the end for like two months on Monday. So like a couple times a week, I was driving all the way up to Chicago and back. So just like wrestling right? Uh, and training there and other theaters. I've done UCB. I've done there's a place and uh, I'm on the main stage and in, in, in the Nest uh, nest Theater in Columbus. Like I've just done it all over. And now I'm so glad I did it because uh, improv is a skill I can have the rest of my life and sketch and stuff like that. So um, uh, that's a long, long, long story about how I got into acting. <laughs>
1: I Just imagine your uh, first time doing improv was a lot like Michael Scott, where he just has to always bring a gun yeah. into the situation.
6: Yeah, it was that type of shit. I mean, it really was. Like, I remember one of our first exercises was like, "Okay, object work." It was like, "Don't don't say anything," but one like when you start a scene, start doing something. And I went down and I thought I was changing a tire, and I was like, I was like doing this, and then we did this short little three line scene, and the instructor was like, "So what were you doing?" And I was like, "Oh, I was changing." I was changing a I was putting on a spare tire. He's like Okay, he's like, I thought you were driving a pirate ship or cracking a safe or something. You know, I was just like, I was so, I was so bad at it. Just overly um, animated,
0: like I have this giant white wall to change. And... Yeah,
6: yeah. I just, it just wasn't the right time for me. I think it worked out better the way it did. But I mean, I, that's kind of the story of my life. I, I've, I've almost never gotten anything right the first time around. Uh, I've been married twice. Uh... <laughs> it usually takes me two tries. <laughs>
3: All right. So I am to actually ask about like, if you ever had, because this is going to relate to me personally, if you have any dealing with like stage fright or like you're doing for a big show, because as I've talked about on this podcast, I'm making my DJ debut next week. And I am horrified of like, just yeah. fucking up or doing something wrong. Uh, so anything you any advice you have to like, maybe help uh, deal with that.
6: Don't think about that. I mean, don't, I mean, the more you focus on, I mean, that's scientific, like the more you focus on uh, what not to do, the the more likely you are to do it. Um, I have little things. Um, so one's just repetition, right? I mean, once you do it enough, you start to get, it. but I mean, I feel, I feel that excitement every time before before anything I do, you know uh, but another way to, and I'm not trying to say trick your brain, but the the same chemicals are used in your brain when you feel nervous, you know, that like butterfly feeling in your stomach. Yeah. Uh, That nervousness. It's the same chemical as excitement. So uh, for several years, once I found that out, as soon as I would feel that like, Oh crap. Oh crap. I got to do this. Oh my God. I would think like, "Uh, no, I'm excited. This is going to be great. Uh, You you just kind of like trick your brain to think like, no, I'm feeling this way because I can't wait to go do this. Um, Another thing, is to be perfectly honest, most people want you to do well. Um, whether it's an audition, of course they won't want you to do well because that makes their job easy. Uh, but an audience as well, like even in wrestling, it's so funny. I, I had a realization more recently than I care to admit because like I'm a bad guy a lot because uh, it's more fun. And I think I think I'm a nice guy in real life. And I think nice guys make the best bad guys. I don't know if it's like, <laughs> I don't know if it's like, uh steam like like a valve like letting off all this like shitty guy energy uh but um it's just fun to be like not how you are um and uh I realized that there was a part of my brain that was registering some of the shitty things people say when you're a bad guy, genuinely. And it was like, it was not that long ago that I was like, because sometimes it would stick with you. Like, I remember a lady, I, uh, just that um, fucking uh, uh, J-Lit. There was a drunk lady on the second night in the match with like Chavo and, and Mance and, uh, um, uh, oh my God, Alex. Uh, <clears throat> was it, who was it? Yeah, it was a four-way yeah yeah uh and uh uh she was in the front row and she was just on me the whole fucking time and i was like what the fuck you know i was like fuck and so like i remember even a couple weeks later like thinking about it and thinking about her and being like what the hell like what the fuck was her problem you know and like my, i like i like my shiny boots i don't know like what the fuck you know <laughs> it cost like five hundred dollars like what the hell bitch like you know and um uh it was pretty recently that I was like that's that's the that's what that's the fun like what would be worse is if no one said anything you know what i mean so like that person telling me i suck like or telling me my outfit looks stupid or that i have a i came out the other night i was in somewhere in ohio uh i don't know i don't know what it was but i came out and i was doing my whole thing and one guy goes ah you look like a dentist So like everything stopped. Like I dropped my act, uh, everything, and I just like walked up toward the bleachers, like over to him, and I was like, "One more time." And he was like, "You look like a dentist." And I was like, "Explain yourself, sir." Like, what? (laughs) Like I need, I can't. I'm gonna have an aneurysm if I think about this too long. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? He's like, "I don't know." You just like, you just look like a dentist. So like, that's the fun of it. So like. Um, so anyway, how that relates is like, I would take some of that subconsciously. I was like, yeah, maybe I do kind of suck. And I was like, wait, well, no, no, they're doing that. Cause you're, you're a bad guy. And even if you're a good guy and they're saying you suck, it's because that's part of the fun too. Cause you can say whatever you want. So like the audience wants you to succeed for the most part, unless there's some enemy you have out there <laughs> and in which case, fuck them anyway. But, uh, everyone wants you to do a good job. And I think if you remember that, that takes a lot of the pressure off because, um, most people don't want to see someone bomb. Most people don't want to see. I mean, they might think it's funny if you're computer, if you're doing a DJ gig and your computer fucked up, but I mean, someone, someone's going to laugh at that, but they're probably a dickhead. Most people want your shit to sound good and, and, and be, and be, uh, uh, and go well. So I think that takes a lot of the pressure off. And then the other thing is all this shit's transferable. I don't know what other type of things you've done in your life, uh, that can relate to DJing, but I bet a lot. I mean, if you've done any sort of thing where you've had to interact with pu- the public or interact with other people um, it's kind of transferable. So like not everything is, is as difficult as it might seem. Um, and then uh, the lastly, I don't remember what number I'm on four five or six. Lastly, <laughs> so many, so many less talented and bigger fucking idiots have done DJing than you. You know what I mean? I mean, seriously, like if you really think about it, like when our oldest, she just got her driver's license not that long ago. And she was so nervous about, and I was like, uh, we were driving, I was driving and I was like, just look around, like count the cars passing us right now. I was like, Now, like when you go to a store, like how many people do you think here? Like look around, like that guy's an idiot. That person's like scratching their (laughs) ass. Like I was like, this person's like unemployable. You know, like what? Like they all have driver's license. I was like, every fucking idiot has driver's license. (laughs) I was like, so driving's not that hard. So I think you can think about that. Like I've thought about that with like performing where it's like way less talent than people to me have made a way more money than me. So it can't be that fucking hard. Right. <laughs> so uh, everybody wants you to succeed. You're not nervous. You're excited. And it's probably not as hard as you're building it up in your head.
1: No, no Marcy. I want, I want you to fail. I want you to fail so bad. <laughs> don't count.
3: You don't count. Right. Exactly. So you know I
1: love you. You know, I love you. I think that's what I say when he's that's why I, I, I'll give you a hard time because I know you're going to do great. And you're just, uh, just like you said, you're just synthetic that, uh, you know, you're, you're nervous about all that. And it's, you know, you're excited. You're excited. It's going to oh, be fun. Yeah,
0: thanks. You're you should fine. get pep talks all the time.
6: Butters, you're very good at it. I'm just
1: piggybacking off a of Magnum. That's all I'm doing. I'm not, I'm not, well, I'm not you're... good at
6: that. Honestly, you're nervous because you care about it. That's it. If you were not nervous, it would mean you didn't give a shit. And so it's good that you're nervous about it because it means you're probably gonna be on a higher alert and you're probably gonna do a you're probably gonna do a good job because you're just you care.
3: Thanks. I, I actually really needed to hear that. Uh, oh, yeah, there you go. Last question before we pass it off to Jayhawk. Uh, so in your turn I've noticed you had that really sweet N64 tattoo. <laughs> uh, so I asked, what is it about the N sixty four that you love?
6: Um Well, I think it's just uh, uh, like a time capsule. Thing because I I bought when the Nintendo the Nintendo Switch came out with the wireless uh, 64 controller a couple years ago and I bought one and I was like this is fucking dog shit <laughs> 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 I tried to use it and I was like this is fucking impossible uh, but I have another tattoo here it's a memory card a PlayStation memory card and it says Ray on it uh, my best friend w- growing up through childhood and through uh, high school was uh, his name was Ray Morton and um, He was the coolest guy. He was absolutely the coolest guy. We hung out every weekend. He got me out of my house, which wasn't always a great place to be. Um, And so I lived at his house all, I mean, half the year I was at his house all summer, every weekend. Uh, you know, he's a guy that I did the first like bad things with. Like, we would we stole his mom's cigarettes from time to time. We're like, oh, uh, th- there was a wrestler named Bragg and Brian Fury who lived a couple neighborhoods over, and like a couple times he bought us beer, uh, you know, shit like that. And uh, he liked cool music, he liked cool movies, uh, he liked comic books, he liked Star Wars, all the shit that I like in my life now aside from wrestling is because of because of ray and so uh he he died he died um about a year and a half ago um he's only a couple years older than me but he literally you know it's public knowledge i guess anyone knows him but he drank himself to death uh absolutely at the age of like 38 and uh it was it was tough it was tough because a lot of us had kind of left his life not out of oh like any selfish reasons but because it was like the hey if you don't do something where you know we can't we can't watch this happen anymore you have to get help and um so not to, here i am the funny guy bringing the whole podcast down again but i got this tattoo uh to commemorate him and every time i think about him i think about the years we were friends for a long time but i think about the years like 96 to 99 like 97 98 like right around there and every time I think about the Nintendo 64, I think about Ray. And I, I, and I have this great artist I've been getting a lot of ta- color tattoos from. And uh, one of the things I sent her was a Nintendo 64 controller. And it it was really because it's like, everyone has like, I don't know if anyone's a Pokemon fan, but typically like everyone's favorite Pokemon is whatever generation was when they got into it or when they were that age or like same with star Wars. It's like whatever star Wars you watched when you were like nine is like the good one. Um, And uh, it was that with Nintendo. So I, I played several systems before that, but like, that was like, up all night we're playing golden till the sun comes up you know and so like i kind of got the nintendo 64 tattoo is kind of like to commemorate that period of time in my life
3: all right yeah banjo Kazooie a is a banger <laughs> <laughs> all
2: right well i i was a theater kid i was in the drama club in high school and we talked at jay lit i did i did an improv workshop in college and i'm looking actually looking to get back into that yeah uh, my thing was always, my thing was always. As much as I love the theater, did, rehearsing the same scenes over and over again for six, eight weeks, whatever for the performance, six, I would get bored. Yeah, and I would start trying to ad lib just to see who could keep up with me. And I used to get in oh, trouble God. for that. Have yeah. you ever? Has that ever happened to you, where you just you had you had to change it up and maybe maybe anger the wrong person?
6: Well, it did so uh i had to learn that lesson very early so that same teacher (laughs) who asked me to audition that we were doing like a one act i can't remember what it was called but um i had a very comedic role like a character role in it and we had a guest come in to like direct for a few rehearsals like he was like a uh at, at like a university like a local university and he came in and um I did, you know, I was making everyone laugh. So, like, I was just do different lines all the time and whatever. And and, um, he stopped the rehearsal and in front of everyone just completely just, like, tore me down. And was just like, you think you're funny? Like, is that funny to you that you did that? You said all those things that weren't in the script. And I didn't know what to say because it was a rhetorical question anyway, right? And then he was like you know, someone wrote this and they, uh, they spent a lot of time on this. And so do you think you're a better writer than them? And I was like, Oh my God, what do I do? And he was like, what do you think of your other actor? They're coming on stage trying to think, uh, uh, anticipate what you're going to say because there's these fucking lines are written and, uh, you're just gonna, just gonna throw them off. You're, you're more important than them. And I was like, Holy shit. And so like, I never, you know, that was when I learned that lesson. Um, and then, of course, there are times when that's okay. I mean, you know, in, in, in certain performances, like I've done Rocky Horror a couple of times and I've just ad libbed the shit out of that. But that's the point. Like, yeah, that's that's supposed to happen. Um, and uh, so, what I found was, and this is boring, I'm sorry if you're not an actor, I guess, um, I could get that kind of new every night feeling by not cementing my deliveries. Right. So, like, I would do a play and I would have like 10,000 fucking lines like in a play but i wouldn't learn my lines like well, like you would in like the stereotypical sense of like i'm gonna say my line like this i would just learn the words and i just knew the words and i would know what the other person was going to say and so i wouldn't have to think about the words because once you learn them well enough you know they're the only words that, that will come out of your mouth but i just would genuinely respond to that actor, how it made me feel like I wouldn't think about it. It would just, I would just be kind of in it as much as I could. So every night was a little different. And, um, I have worked with a lot of actors who appreciated that like that. Some don't, I mean, some like it to be set it's a little harder in a musical, but that's how I would get like the freshness every night of like, and it's just like a, this line has to be said this way. Cause it's the only way it's funny, you know, or whatever it is, for the most part, I would just genuinely respond to people with the, with the line. And that kept it fresh, fresher. <laughs>
2: Okay. now uh yeah i had a question in mind and you kept going <laughs> i forgot my question here um
6: there's no problem i do that i talk i talk a lot no no no
2: you're <laughs> no you're you're fine i should have i should have this shit written down knowing that and i don't thanks um, jayhawk real professional yeah <laughs> right yeah i'm bringing the whole show down i'm carrying. right know,
6: uh, uh, i've done that a few times <laughs>
2: okay okay uh, uh, now I, every actor forgotten a line at some point. How do you try to cope with that when in the heat of the moment? Like I, I actually had one where I was playing a robot and I forgot my line. I just kind of like pretend I was glitching, yeah. yeah. And that and that saved me. But not everybody got that at, in their back pocket. So what do you do if you forget a line?
6: Uh, it hasn't. I'll be honest. It has happened, but it has not, doesn't happen often. Knock on wood, I guess. Um, I used to be much, much, much more meticulous about learning my lines. Like I had a whole system. I mean, it would be dozens and dozens, if not hundreds of hours spent with a script. Cause I would have like an OCD thing of like, all right, I've got to learn. I've got to learn this one sentence. And I got to memorize it and I got to be able to say it 10 times in my, like out loud with my eyes closed or whatever while walking, not looking at it. And then I can go on to the next line and I would chunk and I would do that for every line. And so like I learned the first line and then I get the second line and then I do those two together 10 times. And then the third one 10 times. And then those three together, it was wild. It was so wild. So I do it less. That's still my method, but I do it less than 10 times. Um, So it didn't happen often. Often I was the first one off book, um, or I would be. I'm not trying to. I, don't know, I keep talking about myself in the past tense. I, I'm usually the first one off book, uh, and I know everyone's lines. I'm not like annoying person who knows everyone's lines. But um, I can think of one instance that still haunts me because it was terrifying uh, too. Actually. Um, Once was when I was in Young Frankenstein. I was playing the Gene Wilder role in the Young Frankenstein musical, uh, Frederick. And he has several moments where he's just downstage saying a big speech or, you know, saying some big scientific thing out loud or a big dramatic speech. And this is why I'm so meticulous. I mentioned blood sugar. I think my blood sugar dropped, uh, cause I was just, it was physical and it was hot and I was sweating and I'm a big guy. So it was just a lot of work. And I got to like the final speech before the big final experiment. Uh, and, or when they're trying to actually when they're trying to kill Frederick, I think is what it was. And I was downstage and I was saying my big thing. And like, I just lost everything. Like, it, like I forgot my brain just like turned off. It was weird. And like, um, I know that you could tell that that happened because the audience laughed because I think they thought I was trying to do something funny because I'm sure my eyes just bugged out. And then I kind of stuttered around a second, then got it back on track eventually and got there. Uh, But it was obvious. And then the second time I was in La Cage, uh, uh, La Cage of Fall, the musical, and it was at the very end. The very end, the same song I keep singing. I was George, so I kept singing the same song over and over. Um, the Lakaja Fall song. And but the lyrics are different every time. So same tune, whatever, but different words. I got to it and I was like, uh, and I forgot the words and I was like, dad. I just like sang through it. And then it was like my last two lines of music, and then I had little uh, lines after that. But um Easier in a scene because someone can get you on back on track. Honestly, I'm usually the one getting people back on track because uh, because of my obsessive compulsive disorder, I have usually probably pre-thought what to do. Uh, for instance, I was in the full Monty one time and there was a there was a doorbell cue that was supposed to happen. It's when all the guys are getting the idea to strip for money for, for money because they lost their jobs. And so the whole scene is wearing our underwear all of us like five guys in their underwear and uh there's a doorbell and we're like oh my god what do we do what do we do and i the person on the sound i just knew was going to miss it one night i was like what am i going to do when that guy misses the doorbell And so I already had a plan i was going to say oh i see someone on the porch you know and, and one night he missed it and i had to do that um but other than that uh, uh I know that I already told you that people don't want you to fail when you're DJing. There are people who go to race car races that just want to see Rex. So there are certain little assholes who come to shows who want to see someone maybe forget their lines. So uh, uh, when that does happen, those people are happy. Otherwise, um, don't sell it. Okay, so for wrestling, uh, there's the whole thing when something goes wrong. uh, You've seen it uh, and you can tell because everyone's like, oh, fuck. Oh, shit, just don't sell it. It was supposed to happen. You know, just just play into it. Uh, unless they're they've they're paralyzed or something, you know, or knocked out. You know, just pretend like it was supposed to happen. Same, same in a play. I mean, it, just keep going. And just if you don't, no one has a script in their hands. So if you just pretend like it was part of it or just ignore it. Uh, I've seen it happen on Broadway a lot. Sutton Foster messed up two lines on the night that I went to see Music Man. And both times she just kept going like it didn't even happen. And nobody gave a shit.
0: I'll, t- I'll tell you, Maggie, I-, I was Horace Vandegelder in my summer camp. Hello, Dolly. And uh, I was 13 and I could not remember all those fucking lines. So they yeah. wrote them all up on the menu during the diner scene <laughs> when we were in the restaurant. <laughs> and uh, I just read right off of it. That's I was only, I was too young to remember uh, that role was way too big for me. I was, I-, sure. I was too young to remember all those lines, but I'll tell you that was, that's, that's what I do. Jay Hawk. There's my secret. Put it on a menu, <laughs> yeah. put it on your hand.
2: Now, I, now I won't even lie my senior year girl did a play with uh i had a crush on the girl but she could not remember lying for the life of her but she was playing a secretary because they just taped her lying onto onto the deck she was getting at and she was just <laughs> reading them off, the, off her deck there so, you go there's wake around it and i <laughs> and i've lost track of how many times i've been backstage at a wrestling show and people are, are upset they missed this spot or the happened like fans don't know that no they yeah. don't worry about it they don't know what you're planning on doing now, uh, as far as improv goes, how do you think improv has helped you with wrestling? And really, wrestling is a lot of improv, especially if something doesn't go according to plan. Yeah. You got to kind of work around it.
6: I mean, I always thought of wrestling as kind of a play that, you know, wrestling shows like a play that doesn't really get a rehearsal. Right. And uh, it, you're right. I mean, it is part of improv. I mean, just on Saturday, uh, I was wrestling um, uh, Impact. Um, oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, K- uh, what the hell is his name? Caleb, was it Caleb Conley? Like me, right. yeah. yeah 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 i've known him for years but i just want to make sure guys name right uh but um uh he, it's we wrestling's weird because you know people sometimes people have different names and and then their real names and everything but um uh yeah we just changed some shit uh just because like the crowd wanted a certain thing so uh some things that maybe would have taken less time we milked a little longer because they were into it or like they really like seeing him fight back so we did I put some more heat on him and they kept fighting back you know and that really got him got him into it even more so yeah there's the improv element just give that really honing that like sixth uh the sixth sense or whatever of just like trying to come out of the performance and, and be in the front row and be like, what's, what's working, what's not, what they, what's everyone want to see. Improv is a lot like that. I think the best improvisers I've been on with are in tune to that. So like, if something hits a little bit with an audience, even if it's subtle, they pick up on it and they start going back to that, establishing that pattern. Uh, so I think improvs help with that sense of just like, it's probably the most terrible one, you know, it took me a little while to get good at it. Like I said, but it was probably the most terrifying thing I'd ever done i mean more terrifying than wrestling i mean wrestling was scary when i broke in even though i'm a big guy i mean there were people would take liberties with you and it's a scary thing anyway even just from the physical thing like just being out there you're shirtless (laughs) like you're in a weird outfit like wrestling's weird wrestling goes against all of your Like the scientific part of wrestling goes against all of your natural instincts, like the landing flat, attacking the mat, like leaning towards someone when they're punching you. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, so it's weird. It's a scary, weird thing until it just becomes a habit. And even then, if you stop and think about it, it's weird. But um. Improv was scarier. I mean, it just is like the thought of going out on stage and people have paid money, especially when I'm like spending all my time that I have in Chicago. Like, they've seen some world class people. Like, I mean, uh, Tim Meadows is still doing shows at IO in Chicago like every week now. You know, like they've seen some great people and you're nobody and you're going out and they paid money and they, all they know is that you're going to make them laugh somehow. And that's what they expect. So there's a lot of weird pressure, you know? Uh, So that was terrifying. So I think anytime you can do terrifying things that aren't life threatening uh, that you come out the other side on, it does something to you that makes you a little stronger. I don't know. That sounds very cliche, but it really, like a lot of things in my life don't feel like as big of a deal because i feel like i've done a bunch of scary things in my life uh that aren't so scary anymore um uh so i think that's a big part of it uh, improv has helped my life uh improv is uh it's made fun of a lot like you said michael scott i mean they're just making fun of improv which light heartedly and like but like i love it i think it's one of the most purest the purest forms of theater i've ever been a part of um and it's when you see people who are amazing at it it's like magic live action magic tricks that you can't figure out i mean it's so even knowing how improv works like i've done thousands of hours i've taught improv i've done i've performed it for thousands of hours now Uh, i've trained for thousands of hours with some of the best in the world and it's still there are some people who i watch and i just i'm like i don't how how are you doing this (laughs) like how you're incredible um so uh i think that is transferable to life because improv isn't about like, oh, shit, I had this idea for a scene, but they came out and they were a janitor, but I wanted us to be mechanics. Improv is... I'm going to be a mechanic. Here I come. Oh, you're a janitor? Fuck, I'm a janitor too. So like, that helps with <laughs> life because like, shit doesn't go how you expect it, and the best thing you can do is be like, well, that's fucked up. Well, let's just roll right into that and lean into that and just figure it out from there. And We'll get it, we might get it back on track, or maybe we're going to some place we didn't expect. Imp- improv, like pounding that into my brain for several years has really – uh help just with my real life a lot because shit just doesn't go how you how you think it's going to go and you don't know in that moment if that's good or bad or not i mean some shit some bad shit has happened uh and ended up being one of the best things that ever happened to me so uh getting out of that mindset of like everything has to be a certain way that's applicable to wrestling something is you know frivolous as wrestling as, you know, uh as the real life goes. And just, you know, to where you get some weird thing in the mail, you get a
2: fucking court summons or something in the mail, you know, <laughs> like
6: I want to expect that, but we're gonna figure this out.
2: <laughs> Do you have a favorite uh when you're doing improv? Uh I, I really just like running
6: scenes. Um, some of the exercise, I think that the shorter, like three line scenes can be beneficial just to get people kind of agreeing with, because, you know, the whole thing is yes and but yes and doesn't mean you say yes as, as a as an actor every time it just means like you're agreeing to the reality. So those three line scenes can be good where it's like I say a line, you say a line, I say a line, we're off, no pressure to be funny, just really making eye contact with someone and agreeing with the reality that, that you're building with them um i really 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 just love running running scenes i love walking on stage like one thing I, like here's what i love about wrestling and i love about improv at the same time i could uh, uh someone could say holy shit there's an improv show across the street right now we need you i could walk right across the street and just hop on stage and do improv as long as everyone's doing at least the bare minimum of what improv is the yes and bullshit Yep, we can do it. Uh, wrestling is very similar. I have to, I have a lot more preparation with wrestling. So I have to put on shiny little pants. But but uh, if we have the universal language of, you know, the absolute bare minimum about wrestling, we can have a wrestling match. And that's what I like about improv and, and wrestling. Uh, wrestling's more complicated, probably, than improv and, uh, physically, obviously. But, but that's 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 what I like the best about it.
2: Okay, I got one more question here. I asked one to everybody. Have you ever heard of the wrestling flingent?
6: The wrestling what? Please list. Oh, oh, this oh the scummiest wrestling urban legends. Is that what you're talking about? Yes. Yes. Oh my god, yeah. Oh yeah. Uh that uh, butch read pisses in hotels and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> stuff like that, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yep. So I have the list in front of me. Yes. I want you to pick a number between one and four hundred and sixty. I'm gonna read it to you. You're gonna tell me if you think it's true. One hundred and thirteen. One thirteen. Yeah,
6: it's true. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I like that idea. We shall place that lock in our bets when we think it's true or false before we even know what it is. <laughs> right. <laughs> all
2: right. One thirteen. Keller Khan stole a homeless man's hooch and threatened to give him a Mongolian shot. Wait, wait, wait! Did he start to give him the homeless man a Mongolian chop or the, yes. the the dog? No, he stole his
0: hooch. Oh, I thought you said hooch. Oh. No, hooch. Hooch is booze. Killer Khan is
6: stealing booze.
3: That makes a
0: lot more sense now.
6: Yeah. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like, uh, given the era that, that he was in, it's probably true. I, I like. I feel like, and here's the, there's the thing, uh, <clears throat> Killer Khan probably did not need that booze. Like he was probably, he was, probably already drunk or going to get drunk i'm not saying he's a drunk but just based on what i know about wrestling especially in like the 70s and and and, in that period that he was most prominent uh and i would imagine like the bill watts thing of like hey you know if you get in a fight at the bar and you lose you're fucking fired so like I could imagine he could be like, watch, I'm going to take this guy's beard. They probably, those guys were so sadistic back then. Sometimes he probably thought it was funny. to just take this guy's only, you know, comfort of the evening and uh, probably did uh, threaten to Mongolian chop because what else would you do? I mean, he's got that little cur- that little curly cue haircut on top and <laughs> like, what would you expect? I mean, he's not going to, he's not going to do a single leg takedown. He's going to fucking Mongolian chop you. <laughs> True. Absolutely true. true. Actually, I have a video. They <laughs> 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 spent years
0: cultivating actual video footage of the sleaze list.
2: I mean, I, I laugh at the Glintbit. There's stuff on there that you know is true, like the temperature and Mr. Kato getting arrested for break getting into the yep. McDonald's. Like that's on here. You know some of it's true, but then you, anything and- that has to
0: do with bodily fluids or beaten up bums, that all is true.
2: And a lot of the other stuff might maybe not,
0: but that stuff is definitely true.
6: It's a safe bet, and I think there's <laughs> some stuff about Haku on there, right? There's lots of like Haku stories about like him pulling out a guy's eyeball and shit yep. like
0: that. That dude was nuts too. Yeah, all those stories. I can't even imagine. Uh, that guy sounds like the scariest <laughs> dude on earth. I don't. I don't have any idea if any of those are true, but they paint him out to be like this, like juggernaut.
2: I, I I can say with I I won't necessarily say with Courtney that all those stories are true, but I will say that I've met Haku, and I was scared to approach him. Because oh yeah! He, 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 even 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 today, he just looked menacing.
0: But you're a Hall of Fame ref. You go over to him and be like, "Hey, Hall of Fame, eh, eh? No,
2: uh, I wasn't. I wasn't a Hall of Famer at that point.
0: All right. What well, now he, you are. Now you can go over and shake his hand.
2: I got a picture with him. I mean, yeah. he, he he was friendly enough. But yeah, you hear enough story, like, I don't know if I really want to talk to this guy or not. <laughs>
6: Well, there's this one way to find out. Just go up and call him a bitch and see what right. happens.
2: <laughs> yeah, him right in his face.
6: I got yeah. this, guys. I
1: got this. I'll do it. I'll
6: do it. I'll take one for the team here.
2: I'll cook uh-huh. in the first wrestling match I ever saw live. I, like I had to get that picture about the kid. So I'm like, I don't know if I really want the picture.
6: Yeah, well. Just sneak it in and see if he says, be like, You were the first match I ever saw live, bitch.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I got yeah, Toronts, I, I swear.
6: I have
4: Tourette's.
6: Yeah. <laughs> what do you got,
0: Butters? <laughs>
1: uh, we're going to get to voicemails here in a second, but, uh, you, oh. you mentioned earlier, um, that you, uh, had a friendship with biggins before you came to AIW, right? Uh, Patty, yeah. his mom listens every week to us. Uh, so yeah. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask, uh, do you have a, a story of Chandler that you like to tell? Um, just um, a good memory that you have of him that, that you, uh, think back
6: <clears> on fondly <throat> all the time. I, I do. Uh, first of all, Patty's an angel. Uh, I love Patty. I love the whole family. They're wonderful. I, I love seeing them uh, at at every AIW show. It's just the best. They're, they're awesome. Um, it's funny because Biggins and I never talked much about wrestling. We we The last thing we really got going about was that there was a podcast called like Finding Richard Simmons or Richard Simmons is missing or something. It was like a oh yeah like a five like a five or six part series and like it was coming out and like every episode it was like weekly or every few weeks it would come out. And every one on on like Twitter Messenger or something, I'd be like, oh my God, like we'd just be talking about it. And like he didn't get to finish it. And that drove me down. And like one of the last things I messages I sent to him was I was like something about like the new ones up, buddy. Like can't wait till you're out and we can talk about it. You know? Um, Cause I don't mean to say like, we were like messaging each other every day and best friends, but we uh, just randomly, I don't know why we just, I think we just like the same type of stuff. And I was always around in Cleveland. Like I, I was in Cleveland all pro for a while and uh new JT and, and everything. So I was just kind of always around mega and stuff like that. I was always making up there with tracks and stuff. So I just kind of knew a lot of the same people, but um he would show up at show, like, because uh, Remix Pro Wrestling would run the same weekends as AIW a lot, and so they would share talent. So Cleveland people would usually come down together, and it usually be a name that they were using, like Shayna... Or somebody like that uh whatever name they brought in would also work down in marietta and chandler would bring so many gimmicks to sell which was just the funniest thing like he had like boxes and boxes and reams of wrestling magazines like all these like rubber ljn wwf figures and like just totes full of all this shit And it was i still have like a uh, flashbulb memory of just sitting at my gimmick table and looking over to seeing chandler watching the matches just like surrounded by all this shit uh but he gave me two things he gave me uh because my my youngest daughter i mean she was much much younger at the time but i think it was like 2016 uh, maybe 17 maybe um so she was like five or six and uh, he gave her – she was looking to – she wanted to buy me a a, res, a wrestling figure. And so he gave her a Rubber Greg Valentine because uh, I'd made fun of Greg Valentine many times. <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, he also gave me the, the – I don't know if you've seen the old school issue of – I don't know if it's PWI. I can't remember. It might have been a, one of the after mags. But it's Kamala – holding a spear with like a yeah. very poorly cut out Hulk Hogan's head on the, spe- on the spear. Yeah. yeah uh, that that, that kind of really
2: scared the crap out of me when I was a kid. That, that, yeah. And what could PWI, but it was one of the after mags.
6: It's weirdly violent, but I was just, that's why I got the mess behind me. I was like, re- I'm redoing a bunch of this area. And a lot of the collectible things I have are up here. And, uh, I just found that it was like a a few days ago, a week ago or so. And I just found was going through and found that he just gave it to me. I was looking at, I was going through his stuff, just probably bored after my match, like during intermission or something. And, uh, I pulled it out, was laughing and he just gave it to me. So yeah, I don't know. Lots of little things like that. Uh, just a great guy. I mean, there's a reason why we celebrate him all the time. Uh, there's a reason why so many people, uh, still talk about him because he's just like, just like John, just, just angel and Prince Prince. Gentlemen. Wonderful guys.
1: Yeah. All right. Uh so we have some voicemails. Some people called for oh, no. you. Hopefully there's no fucking pranks. No, I don't well... think there was <laughs> <I don't> think... <laughs> not necessarily. I don't think Stan's a prank. He's just no, uh just, a, just fun... a troubled
0: young man. Yeah. Yeah, troubled, a troubled yeah. person. Yeah. yeah. Uh... I wouldn't say young. Well, we're not <laughs> sure his <who's
3: laughs> age. He doesn't, so, he doesn't sound yeah. The references he makes, he's clearly not young. <laughs> he's
0: learned. <it. laughs> he's learned. It.
5: Hello, no one is available to take your call. Please leave a message after the tone. F-� f- 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 call me that ever again, I'll kill you!
1: Alright, up first is The Other JB.
5: Hey there, new wrestling guy. It's The Other JB. So, we've got Magnum CK in the studio today. So, um, instead of everyone, else, a lot of other people asking, you know, the standard wrestling returned. who do you want to face um now that you're back um i have a entirely new question um what's the type of hat that you have not been able to throw yet that you would like to be able to already <laughs> let me know <laughs> that's
6: good uh <clears throat> uh i would say did you guys ever watch uh, Celebrity Jeopardy on Saturday Night Live, like back yeah. in the late 90s, mid-90s? Oh, yeah. <laughs> if someone could wear the big foam the cowboy Burt Reynolds hat, one? that Norm McDonald's <laughs> the Terry Ferguson hat.
0: hat, that's amazing. <laughs> he's, like,
6: he's like, it's a big hat. It's funny. <laughs> somebody could have that and I could just flop that fucker through the air, That would be that, that would be ideal. Oh, shit. A great
2: Norm MacDonald impression. Any any references to that sketch (laughs)
6: specifically
0: is outstanding. Anything to do with work.
6: I I, I I have a similar tonality to Norman, um, which is ironic because yes. I'm a very, very big fan, but especially as it, as the night wears on, if I get like really tired, I start to kind of slur a little bit. And then I'm just like, Hey, eh, 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 eh. who's that dude? You know, like, <laughs> <it starts laughs> out, like more and more.
0: <laughs> it does say you're right. It really does. Interesting.
1: <laughs> I'm thinking of bits now.
4: Yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> <Look at you. laughs>
1: All right. Uh, up next is the EVP of health for AIW, Jeremy.
5: Oh, man. Hi, the ND wrestling guys. This is Jeremy, EVP of health for wrestling. I have uh, two questions for Magnum CK. First of all, I'd like to know if first to be a face or a heel when he wrestles, which one he feels that he's better at or more cut out for. And the second question is um, who on the active roster that was not wrestling, but not his medical hiatus, does he look forward to wrestling the upcoming months in wrestling? I'd also like to say it's great to have you back. Very much. Have a great day.
6: <clears throat> um, heal all the way, uh, all the way. I mean, like there are some fun things you can do as a baby face, uh, but I find I just kind of do the same things anyway. I love to sell, which is not to say that a baby face doesn't sell, but I like to sell in a funny way, which doesn't always work as a baby face. Uh, um uh, I find that when I'm a baby babyface, uh, I, I fall a little more into like more realistic selling, which isn't as fun, but it's fine. Um, but I, I was—it's so funny that this—that that, that EVP, the EVP of of hell is that what it was? Oh. <laughs> hell, hell. <laughs> Oh, that's, health. Health. that's Jeremy. <laughs> oh, yeah, he does. All, yeah, it's the medical. Uh... Is that Jeremy. Gotcha. I thought he yeah. an EVP of hell, and I was like, what the hell? <laughs> <is that?" laughs> We're just throwing out those titles uh, I, at this point. I know Jeremy very well. Um, uh, I was thinking about this just the other day because I was trying to figure out why I liked being a heel more than being a babyface. And I think it's because of this. Because as a babyface, you have to get people to like you like the point of it is they like you and they cheer for you and they want you to win, which I've done that a bunch of times and I'm not bad at it. I'm fine at it. Um, but that's a scarier prospect. It is so, for my opinion, so much easier to get everyone to absolutely hate you at a wrestling show. And it's like the safer choice. It's like, if you put me out there and say like, all right, you, you have to be a baby face. There's a chance they might not like me, but if you say I have to be a heel, they're going to, not like me or really like not liking me, you know what I mean? Like those, like baby, those heels that you're happy to see because you you like not liking them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's psychologically, I, I, that's why I like to be a heel, and it's just more fun. Bad guys get to be way more fun, you get to do way more fun stuff, you lose a lot more, but uh, uh but who cares? Uh, and I forgot the second question.
0: He said, Who do you want to wrestle? Uh, who now that you're back, that maybe you didn't have a chance to, who are you looking forward to? Uh... To, to wrestling now that you're back
6: i want to wrestle so many uh on the aiw roster yeah uh, so many of the younger uh guys i want to do something with shelby Wilder so wilder so badly um uh, i was supposed to wrestle uh, sydney von england uh at another show and it didn't happen uh that would be fun um I, I finally got to wrestle. I've wrestled Tom Lawler a couple of times, seven back. He's always been on that list. I'll wrestle. I would love to wrestle Tom because Tom, you know, Tom's so much fun. But he's mm-hmm. the most legitimate guy on the roster. But he's also the guy that wants to do some of the sillier stuff. Like I wrestled a show with him recently. Um, where he in his with an, it was like a gauntlet. So he was in there with like another brilliant Brazilian jitsu guy, and he did all this like legit jiu-jitsu stuff. And then I came in, and he's like, "All right, let's do the bushwhacker finish." Where I grab your head, like run you into. <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, man, <laughs> uh, he's the coolest guy." Um, I've really I've gotten to do a few things with Josh Bishop. That's been that's been a lot of fun. Uh, I like to do more with him. But uh, I think Sam's one that would hard, hard way would be a fun one to do stuff with. I, I think, like, I don't mean this to sound shitty, uh, or I'm not trying to sound conceited, but I think you could book me with anybody just because I will, um, I will always figure out a way to make it work. And, um, it's, I love doing my match. I love doing my type of thing, and I love it when people, when I can take what other people do and fit it into what I like to do too, which is what I've really gotten good at over the last, uh, uh, well, a few, few months or so, I think, but even before. But, um, but yeah, there are lots of the younger guys on the roster, and I'm sure I'm, I'm, for, I'm not naming people out there, but like, there's not a person on the roster I wouldn't be excited about wrestling with. Oh, uh, cool ass Andy, we should win the tag championships. That would be the best. <laughs>
4: <laughs> uh- <laughs> Let's go.
6: Wow. I like unironically, unironically love cool ass Andy so much. Just a just a mensch, a total mensch. And uh yeah, we could we could put us in there with the rock and roll express. Let's retire them. Uh <laughs> right. <laughs> right. That's you how it's going. P- yeah.
1: you were a part of one of my all-time favorite tag team matches uh at the most recent show. Uh you and Derek Dillinger with uh with Tom lawler and Josh Fisher. And it
6: wasn't it wasn't supposed to be a tag team match. That was the <laughs> no, bad yeah, no. That was, that, uh, that was I, fun. It,
1: well, like the whole the whole point of them thinking it was a tag match and everything and then like just getting the chance going. Like I had to start yeah. the the tag team wrestling chant because it was yeah. it was so good. It was so fun. Uh and
6: that, that was, was uh so that's what I love. So like uh colt um i learned this from colt a long time ago where it's like you can do the craziest stuff um and not take what you, yourself so seriously but respect wrestling enough like if, if you if you thread that needle where it's like we're doing wrestling like we're not just bullshitting and shitting on on, on wrestling but we're doing some wild stuff that like jim Cornette would probably hate i don't know uh but like you can do both if if that makes sense so like we did that wild match that didn't make any sense but we also didn't insult people and make it really fake you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. yeah i don't know if that makes sense definitely of course
1: (laughs) it's one of my favorite matches from this year so it was it just it just brought all the right aspects to it so (laughs) yeah uh i had a blast with it
6: I think Uh, I think it was I was down in the corner because, you know, those those multi guy, multi person things. It's always like you're up and then you're down and you're waiting and you're coming back, you know, just to kind of keep it so it makes sense. Um, I was in the corner and uh, oh I wish I could remember who it was now. Might have been Ed uh, with with his camera came over and was like they were doing the goofiest. It was like Tom and. Josh we uh, were doing something with, like something impromptu with like I don't know if they were like doing something with Derek I can't remember they were like uh spanking him or something. whatever we did we did something something impromptu and and head came over he's like you know this is because of you right like <laughs> he's <laughs> like this match could have easily just been like violent and like pulling in the guardrails and German suplexes <laughs> and shit and it, it, to everyone's credit it wasn't just I mean. Tom and, and Josh had a lot of these things. One, For instance, like one time I did a cage match and there were three cage matches on the show. And one was an X Division style cage match. One was a bloody cage match. And then my cage match, we had like Brett and Owen. And then like no one bled. It wasn't violent. It was just trying to escape. So like, I think like being that, I love being that element that can come in and like, we're going to do, we're going to subvert what people might think is going to happen. And everyone's going to have a different kind of match tonight. And that's, that was, uh, I think, I'm not taking credit for that uh, that match, but I mean, like, I think me me being in there kind of changes the way people think sometimes.
2: Yeah, I do want to say after your the interaction you had in the four way at Jalen, I want you and Matt Warner one on one too.
6: I wanna wrestle Mance Warner. I wanna tag with Mance. I've loved Mance. We've been we've gotten along very well for a long time. Uh and we have very similar mindsets uh as far as like what's important in wrestling and what we're not interested in. And we're not neither one of us are interested in kind of the bullshit side of it, you know? Like I'm not and I'm not trying to offend anyone or, or speak badly, but like the kind of politicky side, the kind of talk about people's side, like we're both on that side where we're just like, I don't fucking care. Like, listen, I'm gonna come out, I'm gonna get very over, I'm probably going to sell some T-shirts, and I'm gonna go get some chicken wings and go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I like to live my life.
1: <laughs> All right, up next is uh, unknown yeah, because they one week at they, a time. They didn't leave. Uh, <laughs> they didn't leave a name or anything. They just asked a question okay. and got right to the point. So here we go.
5: This message is for the one and only Magnum CK, and here's the question: When you throw hats at an event, is there a favorite kind of hat that you like to throw? And is there a kind of hat that you haven't thrown that you would like to
2: throw in the future? Thank you.
1: A lot of people with that same
2: mindset.
0: Well, let's go with the favorite hat. Yeah, what hat do you like to Similar throw the
6: question. best? <laughs> um, so <clears throat> uh, the one fly the best are usually the uh flat bills cuz they're heavier. Um so I like those. The dad hats are awful. Like the you know like the the little like mechanic hats or whatever like those are terrible. Those don't go anywhere. But any kind of like nice snapback uh or fitted flat bill that thing's the fucker's gone. It's like a Gallagher concert. That shit's going flying. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh and then if I had to pick another type of hat I like to throw no one's worn a Gilligan hat. Like from Gilligan's Island, so I feel like if someone wore, uh, like a bucket uh, hat, what are those? Yeah, like a bucket, bucket hat. Yeah. I feel like if I feel like if I got that, I could really kind of frisbee that thing, you know, pretty high. So that would be another good one. I, I know think a we all know that someone
3: have... that always wears a uh, bucket hats. Yeah, yeah.
6: Is it, so... is it
1: Jack, Jack? Swagger? Is it
0: Dustin?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Pam. Pam has. Oh,
0: Pam, Pam wears story, story. but Dustin, yeah. Dustin uh, was lobbying for the, those two, you know. Yeah, yeah. So,
2: you know, I actually do have a Gilligan hat somewhere. I went to get Gill- My my brother and I did there Gilligan the Skipper for Halloween a few years ago. Maybe I'll find it and let you do it.
0: Uh, <laughs> I'm sure he's waiting I for that one, Jayhawk. Let him do it. Yeah. <laughs>
3: I mean, I also have it's not quite like the uh, Turd Ferguson hat, but I do have a pretty big hat. Turd Ferguson.
0: <laughs> that'll make me laugh every
1: time what about like one of those like really tall cat in the hat hats that like people <laughs> oh, have to get from like the
6: fairs or whatever so uh, the, I ends, don't think... the
0: ends are too light it doesn't you can't like flick it it just kind of flops over
6: yeah i don't think it would fly but visually i think it'd be funny especially if you threw right. it up and it just kind of flops down <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> ideas oh, ideas All Yeah, right
6: we're full of them
0: uh
1: last but not least it is stan from burlington Okay. All right. All right. All right.
5: It's me, Stan from Burlington. Hey, Stan. I don't know if you remember me. Oh, we do. Maybe this week you notice a particularly faulty tone to my voice. Yeah, you might. I'm celebrating the great American playwright, David Mamet. Yeah, I am. And why would I be doing that? Because you have a man of the theater on today. You do. Magnum C.K. Magnum, a great wrestler and truly a performer for all of us. He likes improv, like SNL. Here's one that I thought of in his honor. Cleveland's hottest podcast is OOF. This podcast has everything. Jayhawks suspended from the ceiling. Marcy giving bikini line grooming tips. Charlie Butters sitting on an ottoman. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. But seriously, Malcolm. I have a question. Have you ever noticed that a theater and wrestling have many of the same characteristics? Let me point out an example. (laughs) The use of the word brother. Everyone in the AIW locker room seems to call each other brother. I've heard Dustin Alberti speak, and that's like his go-to phrase. But this is not an Alberti special. I'm talking about the Bard himself, William Shakespeare. He liked to use that phrase here. Allow me to quote the St. Crispin's Day speech from Henry V. From this day to the ending of the world. But we in it shall be remembered. We few, we happy, we band of brothers. For he today that sheds his blood with me shall be my brother. Be he ne'er so vile, this day shall gentle his condition. And gentlemen in England, now abed, shall think themselves accursed they were not here and holds their manhoods cheap while Eddie speaks with their brother that fought with us upon St. Crispin's Day. Wow, such a cultural day. is that what a great speech? Yeah. Hey, guys, let's not ruin this. You want to play a game? Okay. Yeah, me too. Let's play What Doesn't Belong and Why. All right. Yeah. The weekly segment where I give you a few names, and you tell me what doesn't belong and why, Charlie. <laughs> Remember to pause and let her guess. OK, here we go. All right. What doesn't belong and why? What doesn't belong and, and why? New Speaker of the House Mike Johnson. B Magnum CK.
2: C, Jay Gold.
5: <laughs> I don't
2: even want to speculate where he's going with the <laughs> I have no clue.
0: Oh, fuck you, Stan. I mean, I, I, <laughs>
3: <laughs> I think I figured it out. Whatever he does This the answer is always the guess. I'm going to say Magnum. I can't figure out why, though, in this case
0: i can't even imagine
5: oh boy all right here we go well clearly the answer is b magnum ck because well while frankly all three are performers the other two are the least likable performers we've ever seen (laughs) okay gotta go bye all right
6: i remember uh oh. i remember that guy on the like 1960s batman uh <laughs> <laughs> what what first of all <clears throat> where do i clock in for that phone call oh
2: uh, stan goes stan <laughs>
6: can be long-winded sometimes
0: magnum he uh That's
2: stan actually is, short by fan yeah actually. yeah but yeah. we always we get
0: some sort of game and some sort of reference to uh you know something cultural, and then how much he loves Malcolm Cambridge and Dom Guarini. but hes well, like to I mention said
3: that. there is no way he can be young. there's literally zero percent chance that the yeah. young man making these references,
0: yeah, yeah, well, I'll take it up with his handlers when I get him for the interview for for Christmas,
6: yeah, he definitely needs to be on because I think uh he's got his own show going Uh well, he yeah. puts to work in
0: yeah you we have uh we have a uh, a Christmas special coming out with all of his calls uh so. If you want to catch up on all the Stan stuff, you're more than welcome to
6: call the Stan lore. Yeah, I'm sorry, but <laughs> if oh, someone leaves me a voicemail, it. if someone leaves me a voicemail, and at any point they utter, "Do you want to play a game?" I'm calling the fucking FBI. <laughs> 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 yeah, I'm sure
0: his I'm sure his handlers they give him very very short amount of time of phone time. So sometimes
1: he obviously you know. well you could hear that phone ringing. So he obviously was using the front desk's phone. Yeah, and yeah, just yeah. calling real quick. Because the they phone. probably took his phone again.
0: Yep. there's been times where they've taken his phone for several weeks and we don't hear from him, so. <laughs> Did you yeah. guys cut out the part where it's like, you're receiving a paid phone call from like whatever <laughs> facility? <laughs> 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 we got to listen for that next time. Maybe it'll find out where he is. But uh, he's in Burlington. He's some Burlington. We don't know which Burlington, but he's... I
3: still say it's a Burlington Coat
0: Factory. Yeah, it's there's somewhere. a lot of people that think
1: he's just living in at a Burlington Coat Factory, so... It's totally possible. possible. Yeah. I,
2: I don't I do he doing the, the rough how Fargo deal where he locked in a home and they only let him out on yeah. holiday. That's what it is. Yeah. That's what I think.
6: When they have to pop the town. That's right. <laughs> oh, shit.
0: Well, we got, it's plug time, Magnum, so we're, uh, it's up to you now to give us your plugs and tell us where you're going to be and go right ahead
6: yeah yeah for sure um aiw obviously uh hell on earth uh is coming i think whatever number it is now it's 18 i can't remember uh it's coming up i'll be there uh i'll be at the the match hasn't been announced yet uh but it's a uh another show on december 31st uh i'm gonna be at jimmy hart's new year's rock and eve uh jimmy hart's 80th birthday is on january 1st so they're having a celebration show um oh i wish i could say who i'm wrestling but they haven't announced it yet and like if something fell through i would feel like such a dickhead for announcing it but i'm very very excited for who i'm wrestling uh i also that have be?
0: by the way where are you doing oh, that's, that
6: that's in west virginia uh uh somewhere somewhere right around charleston i can't remember which town it is but it's at asw asw wrestling uh, um yeah but the mortons will be there several other jimmy hart obviously um and i also have it God, i have so many things that are coming up that i that i can't share a lot of details on but i will say there's a certain uh set of uh, i'll just say juggalos uh who uh i have been randomly texting with which is weird a weird thing which is very <laughs> cool uh but i'll be working with them very soon too on the um i'll be performing on the juggalo big baller christmas cruise <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yeah yeah. yeah. So so I'm a, I'm a juggalo now. So whoop whoop. Uh that, that's all happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh that's all happening. Uh again, you know, I I I don't I, You know, my social media is just whatever, uh, uh, you know, my Twitter. Uh, I didn't have Twitter for a while after I left wrestling just because it was weird. And uh, so all my followers, they're much lower than they used to be. And Twitter uh, Twitter's weird now. So I don't really ever really. I just do that for fun. But um, also, I've been getting a ton of weird messages on social media now. Like something's happened where like everyone who has any sort of like, and I'm not shaming, but anyone who has any kind of like sexual attraction uh, or uh, thing that they like, they just apparently just fucking message you about it now. Uh, (laughs) Like, just like trying to feel that out, see if it's cool. It's I've gotten a lot lately. I don't know what's going on. Like I must've gotten on like some group or something. And I've been getting a lot of very specific, requests and messages from people. So, <laughs> uh, so you know, I don't really care about sharing my, my socials are out there. That's fine. Whatever. But like, yeah, I just, I just am nice. I'm just like, cool man. Like that sounds, that's good for you, buddy. Like that sounds great. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah. So I think if, you know, the big thing is like if Place, especially places like AIW, like just follow that stuff. Keep track. I mean, like Kenta. I don't know. Obviously, wrestling fans listen to this, but Kenta is gonna be in Cleveland, like yep. in a couple of weeks. Like that's crazy. That's so cool. That's wild. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm right? You're gonna wrestle.
1: You're gonna wrestle Kenta. It's gonna be the most. Off the wall match uh, ever, right?
6: I wouldn't say I'm gonna wrestle Kenta. Uh I'm gonna kick his bitch ass. Uh <laughs> that's a callback. If anyone translates like this or plays this for Kenta, that's a callback to previous jokes about Haku. Uh no, I don't even know. I don't even know who I'm wrestling. But uh, Kenta will be there and Rocky Romero and stuff like that. So AIW, I know you guys are all fans, but man, it's just it's just the coolest. And I don't even have to say that, like I'm already booked there. I don't, you know, and I'm booked well, so I don't have to kiss anyone's ass. I just genuinely love it that's that's if you follow anything uh follow aiw absolutely excellent hang in there with us because we need you for the end oh Jay yeah Hawk. i'm here <clears throat> I, I just follow- fucking log out i'm like i'm done bye <laughs> 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 it
0: happens all the time
2: most of the time it's one of us <laughs> go on jayhawk uh you follow me on twitter at ref jayhawk, instagram at jhawk 1539 twitch and tiktok at refjayhawk. I've got one more wrestling booking this year, officially November 18th. RPW Thanksgiving Throwdown in Youngstown, Ohio. Vinnie Maverick against Ray Stewart for the RPW title. The Stevie Edwards Memorial Battle Royal. I think there's nine matches and all on that show. You can
3: find me on Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, and Blue Sky at eGirlFanboy, spelled B-O-I. And we are one week away from Transgiving at Dunlap, where we'll be making my DJ debut. 8 p.m. sharp. Be there. Have a good time. Dance. All that good stuff.
1: Uh, I don't have anything going on. We still are working on, uh, if you catch my grift, whenever that's going to come back with new stuff, like Dalton said last week, um, check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash IW guide. There's going to be a bunch of new stuff going up this week. Uh, there's a video with Jay gold Dalton and I watching a match and also a new Marcy's arcade with Vic vice.
0: Now you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at jiggle 12, please rate review and subscribe wherever you listen to us. Don't forget about our Twitter handle, IWGuide1. Don't go to IWGuide. That is not us. The YouTube page, patreon.com backslash IWGuide. Don't forget about the merch store over at Brainbuster Tees. We have the new season design. We have Marcy's Arcade. We have Stan from Burlington. We have our faces. Put them on your bodies. We also have the championship belt. We have very cool merch. It's probably the best in the pod game. We're a small pod with a lot of merch, and it's pretty fun. Check out our podcast friends. At odds with wrestling, the card is going to change the super fantastic podcast X over and Hiya bussy a wrestling adjacent
3: podcast.
0: Check out our friend JCP Designs, the official graphic designer of the indie wrestling guide, PWPonderings.com, Time Capsule Toys, Toy Ohio, Rubber City Toys, Big Starks Brand, Set Tab Photo, Women's Watch Wrestling of Northeast Ohio, Michelle Carter and Jose Rodriguez Photography, AJ Small Photography, Six Things Clothing, Angry Lemonade, and Smoking J's Barbecue, the best barbecue in Ohio, Butters. Oh,
1: this is uh, the Create a Wrestler segment, uh, this time featuring Magnum CK. Yes. So, so
6: uh, do I just describe what I got?
1: Yeah. yeah. What's uh, What's your Create a Wrestler's name?
6: Okay. I have a tag team. Is that okay? Yeah, that's yep. awesome. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> um, they don't have a tag team name, uh, but they have their own names. One is... Um, <laughs> This is so stupid. Bun length Frank. Uh, so in quotes will be Bun length. It's hyphenated Frank, and his tag team partner is Hot Doug. But Doug is in quotation marks for some reason, Hot <laughs> is not. So Bun length Frank and Hot Doug. <laughs> and what uh, what else am I supposed to say? What, what, do uh, they have uh, a finisher? Do they have a finisher? Finisher they yeah. do they have a finisher called the slaw dog and uh, uh what they do is um hot doug comes off the top with a double stomp onto the opponent's stomach and then the hope is that, that they shit their pants and then <laughs> they pick the guy up for a double atomic drop and that's the, that's so that's the slaw is the double stomp and then the, the dog is the the double atomic drop so they just smash. Smash it in, insult the injury. That's fucking gross.
1: <laughs> I uh, I think that that's probably the best it I'll ever get. So <laughs> I just made me, this just be the same done now.
0: <laughs> back into the back into the lab for the rest of us. But that was,
2: that's <laughs> outstanding.
1: <laughs> All
0: right. Well, watch
1: the well, wrestling.
0: See you everybody. <laughs>
2: Later. Bye.
1: Later, dweebs. <laughs>
4: I try my hardest not to fuck up, but I'm almost at the point where I just
3: don't give a fuck and I swear, I don't care anymore, but I guess I'm doing better than I was before, and I try my hardest not to fuck up, but I'm almost at the point where I just don't give a fuck anymore, god damn, after all that we've been through, you just went
4: and you threw it all away, god damn, and after all this time, I still can't think of the words I wanna say, and I swear to god, you're still on my mind, you everything. Just don't give a fuck anymore. I swear I don't care anymore I guess I feel